But yeah, they have uh, Elmer T. Lee, and they have um, some ridiculous like barrel picks and oh, same one. I mean, stag. birthday bourbon, say no more. Yeah, exactly. Um, but Charles, what I was what I was holding off on was um, the off menu special seven days a week at the restaurant at the Nicollet Island Inn is uh, their cheeseburger. The burger is made from all the trimmings from their steaks that they butcher in house, and that's twenty dollars. It comes with a salad or uh, uh, veggies and a tomato jam, and then like shoestring fries. But if you would like to give yourself an eight dollar upgrade, they will give you a two ounce pour of Blantons. And if you want a second pour after you finish that pour, it's $14 for a two-ounce pour of Blanton's. You can have it up. You can have it on the rocks. You can have it neat. You can have it in an old-fashioned. They don't care. That, I, I mean, <laughs> you're not holding the mic in your hand, so you can't <laughs> I drop can't it. can't drop it. But if you were, it you is should. A, it is a spectacular... Uh, cheeseburger of the last era it is a half a pound sure sure giant patty steakhouse burger steakhouse burger yeah okay but holy shit is it good and they don't what i love is that they don't over process it like when you take a bite you can roll it around on your tongue and you'll get the little bits of the different steak and i really think that that's fantastic and then it's uh i want to say it's a gouda is the cheese on there and then, like, a beautiful little, uh, like, spring green salad, tomato jam. It's the, spectacular. The 112 burger was still the one that, for me, kind of ripped the needle across the record. Oh, like, man. what is that? First time you had that, it's like, wait, you put it on an English muffin that you made? Well, how sad are you that the English muffin's gone? What's that? How sad are you that the English muffin is now gone? I can't even start with that. Yeah. <laughs> it's no, just it's, heartbreaking. Yeah. Well, our one point of difference in a field of thousands of burgers, and we eliminated it. I don't understand. Because there are enough bobos that like complained. I'm sure. I um when I was still, still in the a smashy though. When I was when I was back in the uh, the nightclub days, we had a uh, an up and coming, growing to be famous, and now headlining in Vegas DJ named DJ Beatbreaker. And he was kind of like, he's a New York kid, you know, like, hey, New York's got the best of everything. Like, why do I even want to go anywhere? And uh, he was asking, he was like, I just, I want a really good cheeseburger. And I feel like I'm in the Midwest and like this, you should have good cheeseburgers. Take me somewhere. So I brought him to, to 112 and he literally stopped talking to just start eating that. <laughs> and then the whole way back, he was just texting and calling people be like, yo, I just had the best burger I've ever had in my life. Yep. This place, uh, what, what, what was it? Uh, two, two, one, two, what, what, two, one, two eatery. One twelve. <laughs> I was like, dude, where the players dwell. Come on, dude. Uh, but yeah, it was, it, it really like, it kind of made me laugh because I forget sometimes the access that we have to truly amazing things. And I've been eating that burger for so long that sometimes I, I forget how much I love it. For sure. And I uh, like, I went there so often to have like specifically that the gnocchi and the foie gras meatballs oh. that I I went so often and I had the burger every time I was finally like I was starting to host these dinner parties and I was finally told or asked a, a server that you know was familiar with me enough I was like dude would you mind sharing what's in this because this burger is ridiculous and he was like yeah it was shallot a shit ton of butter egg yolk salt tarragon key tarragon yep. um mm. and you know just mix it up fry it up english muffin boom so that at when i hosted dinner parties like that came out like nine times out of ten it was, it's not? just oh god so good you know i i was thinking back to it um 
Charles and I had had a discussion months ago about Harissa, and I think that that um, the first time that I really understood how beautiful that was was also that that breakfast sandwich that you could get because that saved me so many nights back in the day Absolutely. when I'd you know I'd get cut at midnight and I had been bartending since three o'clock and you're ready to just gnaw your arm off and I can't look at another room temperature hotel pan of buffet food that got left and uh you've run everything else the entire night so you just can't look at those dishes again you run down there and just have that beautiful egg and it was egg and harissa sandwich and uh, all of a sudden all your troubles just sort of melted away boom Mm -hmm. that's what you're looking for well what do you think charles should we just jump into this i think we already have this is uh the second farthest we've ever traveled i feel like you should uh let the been here before Oh, yeah, I guess we have, but not, not currently in this room. We actually have traveled even further because we had to come down into the catacombs, so we walked an extra 20 paces to get to our current Take that, Paris. Destination. Yeah, we're at the uh, classy confines of Club Caraway in Minneapolis, behind the historic Semple Mansion. You may have previously heard an episode of this podcast uh, with our good friend Derek Reed, who is actually the second ever... Uh, audience member yes. of the podcast. Yes. Shout out to Derek. Shout out to Derek. <laughs> so you might you might hear him chuckle in the background when I make a funny joke. <laughs> you you may not hear that also. Uh, <laughs> he has uh, welcomed us here uh, to record the podcast in the smoking lounge, the private smoking lounge. It's down in the catacombs. I hate calling. I love it the like, cla- I love the classy confines the classy moniker. Classy confines. That was, yeah, you got to use that alliteration. It's no. classy. You got to use the alliteration. But yeah, I don't like calling it a basement. It's a dwelling. It's a cat. It, it's a what, what? What is the best way to refer to this, Derek? Off mic. <laughs> I went with a subterranean lifestyle studio. Lifestyle studio. <laughs> We're curating a lifestyle. This, this is a hell of a bunker. Can I see? Live a lifestyle in this studio sounds like a place you go to change who you are. I come here to be who I am. You know what I mean? <laughs> sure. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, I just thought. Lifestyle studio. Yeah, well, I thought about like a music <laughs> studio. You create music there. Uh, you know, like a film studio. You, you create and edit films in that. Mm. And this is curating a, a, a lifestyle. It's bringing out finer things from every single aspect of it. Everywhere you look, there's something that's very okay. thoughtful, little flourishes and touches. We'll see if that catches on. We'll see. Yeah. It probably won't, but that's fine. Hey, I'm wearing a hoodie. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so this this club now has three appendages. There's the barber shop, the Clothier, uh, and Taylor outfit that Derek curates. Those are the upstairs, and then now there's a pl- private club element that contains. Uh, I mean, it, the easy way to put a bow on it is to say that it's a private club in which you smoke cigars. But it's not just about cigars. They have a state-of-the-art sound system upstairs. They got a pool table, uh, chess board, beautiful seating arrangement, uh, super comfortable, great location. And then the downstairs is the new part of the equation that they've been working on for seven or eight months now. Yeah, and this is where you can come down and enjoy a cigar if you are a member of this prestigious club. And for our longtime listeners out there, you know that I'm a, a music junkie beyond belief. And uh, when Derek opened the door for me to come in today, I almost fainted because he, uh, it, it literally is my dream sound system that he has here. And I've lusted after the receiver for very, very long. Shout out to Minneapolis Hi-Fi for bringing uh, legendary quality 
audio uh, to a place like this. Like, it really is just amazing. That's bonkers. I was trying to make sure I didn't drool too much before you got there. I have a glistening beard from staring at that. But, oh, Especially man. Don't, don't drool on it. Yeah. It's not advised. Don't even look at it. Don't even look at it. No. All right. It's there. Don't look at it. Well, who is with us here on the program today, huh? An old favorite. We're, we're, we're dialing back. We're bringing back a greatest, a greatest hit. Yeah. The number one <laughs> Billboard chart topper. Another one. 2021. <laughs> Good sir. Would you introduce yourself to the folks? Gentlemen, Eric Eastman. Look out. Hey. Ice guy. You guys know. You heard the episode. A little bit taller than average. Yeah. That's about it. This uh, <laughs> beautifully handsome dish is sitting to my right. And it's quite nice. <laughs> oh my god! I kind of, I kind of like the the vibe that we got going on right now. Everybody's in their own like it nice, is very sexy. Don't it's chair. great. This is, it yeah. Is. This is highly recommended. One hundred percent. There's a little brown nearby. There's maybe some red wine and things and smells. I'm, I'm very like you guys were very kind and asked me about the cigar situation. I don't partake in in, in yes. cigars, but I do. Love being cigar adjacent. Sure. And yeah. not like cigar overwhelmed, but cigar adjacent. That, I mean, you know, there's just memories that are tied to childhood and my grandfather where sure. there's actually a really famous Eastman family photograph of me when I was probably four on the riding lawnmower with my grandfather. Oh, right. And I was covering my ears <laughs> and he was, he had a stogie and a huge smile on his face. It's a great, it's a great photograph. That's so awesome. Yeah. That's great. And, and it, you know, just like kind of that. Um, and then you know, he had he had a basement in uh, Golden Valley where uh, where, his, where he and his uh, wife raised their, my, my dad and his five siblings. And uh, it was very pipe tobacco laden basement, which yeah. is another wonderful smell to, to think totally. of. So, so you can appreciate the scents. I am a 100 percent appreciator of aromatics of all kinds. Absolutely. Right my, uh, growing up, my dad's best friend was a gentleman named Jack, and uh, Jack had been a camera operator for CBS for decades and had, uh, had filmed as a camera operator on a, a few westerns with John Wayne, and every time I smell pipe tobacco, all I can picture is, like, Jack had one of John Wayne's revolvers in a frame case on his wall and just covered in Western stuff. And that's what I always think of, even oh though nobody in any of those movies ever smoked a pipe. Yeah. But even you just saying pipe smoke, I just immediately pictured John mm. Wayne from True Grit firing the rifle <laughs> with the, the lever action and doing the spin. Um, I don't know why that always hits. Memory but. recall and smells are just so tangible. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And so vivid. It's powerful. Yep. I, uh, I have a Perdomo... 10th anniversary that is smoking quite nice. Uh, Charles, what do you have over there? I have not lit up quite yet. I mean, do you want to talk about what cigar? Uh, we can wait. Sure, sure. I mean, I, I am planning to smoke this uh, Fuente Grand Reserva. A little shorty. Yeah. <laughs> What's in the glass? What's in the What's glass? What's in the glass? Uh, so the brown that we're drinking on this beautiful shard of MN Pure Clear Ice. <laughs> yes. <laughs> The only what did I say, what did I say on Graham the other day? I came up with a nice little tagline. What did I say when I bought that bag of ice? Oh, crud. You got me there. Fucking A. I'll think know. of it later. I'll think of it later, like four drinks deep, and just like shout it while one of you is Please do. Uh, yeah, so it's a beautiful bottle of Rowan's Creek uh, that I got as a gift from uh, Rick Dodora and Paige Latham Dodora, former guest on the program. Or my 40th birthday, which, hey, also took place here. So I felt that. Oh, gosh. Your 40th birthday cost me, you know, a suit. 
<laughs> it was a beautiful party. Yeah, right. Yeah. So I Made mean, a lot of right. Sales so is night. this an official sponsorship of this podcast? Is <laughs> Club Caraway suits because yeah. that I mean your 40th birthday which you graciously invited me to thank you it was a blast it was here was upstairs and I you know I've never bought a bespoke suit ever like ne- right. like 90 I really haven't even come close I just haven't worn a lot of suits in my life sure. I've had like you know a kind of a mediocre suit that I've had or two and um, but so we're, we're here upstairs and just kind of start leafing through the the fabric books and talking to Derek and you know, I figured, you know, and, and I hope this is okay, Derek, that I'm, I'm talking about this, but it's like, I, I, I figured that a, a custom suit is going to be like five grand, probably start at five sure. grand, yeah, like, right. and, you know, probably yeah. go up from there. And Derek's like, no, you know, start around a thousand. And I was like, wait, what? Mm-hmm. So I think I was here a couple of weeks later and just the, and I think at, like one of the things that we're all craving, you know, post-COVID, if, if, if we can say that we're post-COVID, is experiences. You know, like, we just yeah. sat around for a couple of years doing nothing, drinking brown and, you know, Zooming. And mm-hmm. the experience of getting measured for this suit here was, and I'm not just saying this because he's sitting there, it was extraordinary. Like, the attention to detail and, like, the just, I'm here for you to make this nice. I want you yes. to look through all this. I can be here all day. And then when it comes to taking the measurements, I was just floored at yeah. how detailed and Very how thorough. thorough it was. And then, so the suit comes, came, tried it on, pants weren't quite right, came back a couple of days later, pants are perfect. Like, I mean, what the, and I've gotten, like, yeah. again, I've gotten, like, I would say, I think it's three completely random compliments on this suit. And I am a guy of modest looks. And so I'm, like, look, I'm wearing this suit. And it just makes you feel so confident and so good. And shout out to Club Caraway. His uh, his suit that he made me for New Year's was the third suit that I'd had made for me. The first of which I would say is actually bespoke. But it's the first time that it actually fit the way that it's supposed to when I received it. The other two instances, both instances, the legs were like they were made for a man who is 7'2". I don't know <laughs> how that happened. I didn't suddenly get shorter legs in the month it took for the suit to arrive. Not just that, but it fits so well that I think I said this to Derek on New Year's. At times I felt like I was naked because I couldn't feel it on my body. Like it just, it was, it was around me in such a comforting way that it didn't, you couldn't feel it pinching you anywhere. So there were times where I was like, what? And then I was, oh, it's still here. No one's doing my suit off. (laughs) I didn't have that much to drink tonight. Oh, well, hell, we, we randomly run into each other in Chicago, (laughs) both wearing wearing your suits. suits. Is there any better compliment than that? Honestly. Yeah, that was perfect. Yeah, we were, we were going to go out to a meal and you were at, um, Cindy's, Cindy's on the rooftop of the Chicago Athletic Association. Yeah. Yeah beautiful bar this rooftop bar that i hadn't been to and uh we met eric for a beverage and we were both wearing we're, our suits we were, we're both were wearing like, our suits hey. like oh my gosh and we're, we're like, so like right. everyone and it has this patio that overlooks the lake and you know there's just pretty much everyone that's out there is there taking selfies or having photos taken of them and yeah. so we <laughs> were like marnie uh, charles's wife marnie's like marnie can you get a photo of us please yeah. so we can <laughs> So we can document this and, and look like everybody else here. So was, that was awesome. We looked so good. Some other ladies started photographing. That, that's, that's, that is, that is yeah, true. That's a, the first time that's ever happened to me. Yeah, well, I mean, isn't it, isn't it kind of nice, though, to, to understand that, hey, it's, it's just putting in a little effort and finding some things that actually, like, fit you, you know? I think that that's a, that's a 
we need to give ourselves that permission to do that. And in saying that, I want to jump back to that you have gotten like random compliments on that. Uh, I'm not saying there's a way to do that and be kind and a way to do it and be creepy. Please don't be creepy. But uh, a compliment from a stranger goes oh, a long way. Times a million. I was thinking about it. Uh, I, it was a good friend it's of mine. formatting. Yeah, you exactly. Can compliment anyone as long as you're careful about how you yeah. do it. Uh, it was a good friend of mine's birthday uh, a couple days ago, and we went and met up, and she was talking about that her and I had gone to a concert together, uh, an artist named Kishibashi, who I am madly in love with, a multi-instrumentalist, and it was a very intimate, like this, so there's big, big energy songs, and then there's really, really intimate kind of small songs, and I had to use the restroom, and it was packed, and the show was at the fine line, uh, and the bathroom, like, the fine line, for those of you who haven't been there, is a music venue that is very long and skinny, so it's tough to get anywhere, and the bathrooms are in the back left corner, and the crowd basically bumps all the way up, when you get closer to that, bumps all the way up to the bar. So you have to squeeze through, and I'm a large man. And I was like, I was literally going like sideways, and I just was whispering like, I'm thinking thin, I'm thinking thin, like, I'm sorry. <laughs> and just as I get past to like where it opens up to get to the bathrooms, I hear this guy yell, it's cool, you're a beautiful flower, my guy. And I, oh. I walked all the way to the bathroom, and I just started smiling, and I was yeah. like, what a beautiful thing to Hell say to yeah. a complete stranger. Nice. Yep. And that has sat with, it's been like two months. And that's just sat with me like, that dude didn't have to yell that. And nope. I don't even care if he was being sarcastic. It was a really kind thing to say to somebody. So spread some love out there. Tell, when you see somebody in a beautiful suit, tell them that suit is gorgeous. You don't have to be like, I love the way your ass looks. And like, we can make it nice. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Well said. Yeah. I couldn't love that perspective anymore. It's spread some love. Is, yes. Dress yourself up. Give yourself some love too. Well, let's spread some whiskey. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. The first time I was ever poured this whiskey was by another former guest of the podcast, Mr. Adam Gorski. On the last evening of La Belle Vie, we, my wife and I went in there, and we didn't want to do a whole dinner thing. We just wanted to have a drink and pay tribute. We both ordered the cocktails that we wanted, and we were getting ready to leave. And Adam just said, do you want a little pour of something else before you go? I said, absolutely. Of course we and do. he busted this bottle out, and I have uh, pretty much almost always had one in our bar cart since. Right on. I think delicious. the first time I had it was the last night of uh, Saffron. Oh. Nicola poured me yeah. at the bar. Is this sort of like a yeah. eulogy? Honestly, can we not? I'm going to cry <laughs> if we start talking about that. Exactly. Stop. Just like, stop. Uh, Eastman, you want to tell us about yeah. the uh, wine beverage? Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, so what we've got here is a little Barolo Quinato. Um, I have, I'm, I'm so fortunate. I hope everyone does have a very close little circle of uh friends that we um we, we, we hang with regularly we've we you know we were close before covid we became extremely close during covid and uh we have uh, it's four of us it's myself paul who you all know and nick who you all know and nick i believe you know nick leisenheimer as well uh, i do not i know the other two guys yep um so just just such incredible humans kind souls and uh, we, we have this little thing we call Gents Night, and we um, take turns hosting it at our homes. And each night, we, it's kind of a cocktail night where we pick a theme. And we've had four. We just completed season four. We had season one was stirred cocktails. Season two was shaking cocktails. Season three was ice cream cocktails, which was super fun. And season four was uh, fortified wine. 
Beautiful. And so I was the last uh, episode of this season, and I chose Barolo Quinato. So this is Barolo Quinato. Um, it is essentially, you know, I mean, it's essentially it's vermouth made out of Barolo. Um, so it's Barolo that's had different aromatics um, infused into it. Uh, roots, did you have access spices. to a lot of these locally, or did you have to have some? You know, that's around? a great question. Uh, the guys, I I, the guys some... that week leading up to mm. uh, the evening. They, we, we, our group text, they're kind of like, hey, E, um, having a little hard time finding some yeah. Barolo Quinato. And, but this, this is Koki, Barolo Quinato, which uh, Koki Sweet Vermouth is very um, prevalent in the market. Eric Seed uh, has, has, has graced us with that product. Um, and I thought that, that Koki Barolo Quinato was pretty ubiquitous, but apparently not. Um, mm. But we, it, it, it was at South Lindale, um, and I believe France 44 has it. Um, but... It's a, it's a, it's just a real. I love Barolo. It just has those really Same. beautiful, kind of very, very fine, identifiable tannins, which are still present here, yeah. with a lot of different, um, just spices, just dark, warming spices. Um, but and and it's just, and then I brought another one. There they had this this other uh, bottle of Barolo Quinato from Capilano um, is one that I'd never had, and it's wildly different than the one we're drinking right now. So we'll have that next. But this is. This is a delicious Barolo Quinato. I'd love to cheers Eric Seed for this. Yeah, yeah. to cool. Eric Seed. Eric, to Eric Seed. Seed. Yeah, I judged with him uh, an iron bartender. He was one of the judges on the panel. He uh, he's the gateway to so many wonderful things that we have in the Twin Cities, and I will That's, never stop singing his well, praises. Well, I, I want to make sure we talk about um, at some point, and it can be now, but um, just how fortunate we are in this market to have everything that we have. True. I've been uh, lucky enough to travel a little bit lately to other like large markets and. I always come back and like, wow, we've got it really nice here. Yeah. And Eric Seed is a huge uh, component of, of that in the bar community. I, you know, I, I, I go back and forth on whether or not I find, I think it's fortunate that my bar career started when there were 15 to 20 total bottles you could have in the back bar and every single mixer was mm -hmm. on a single gun at the end of your bar. To see where we have gone just in my adult lifetime 20, 23, 24 years later from my first bartending job to see the access that we have to that and to be literally courtside watching Eric Seed fight for that stuff and then watching him sort of spread that and then more people pick up that torch and start fighting for other things and seeing more smaller purveyors bringing in smaller things and more uh, boutique distilleries have a business plan and a road to success because of those doors being opened. It's, I, I don't think it would be possible to quantify or articulate how integral his cog is to the machine of everything that we celebrate in our cocktail culture here. I'm so glad you articulated that because you did it <laughs> infinity times better than I could have. <laughs> exactly what you just said. Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's, it, it's, it's wonderful. And also, while talking about that... The seed that grew a tree. There you, there you go. <laughs> uh, or an orchard. Um, as I was talking, I was almost tripped up by the fact that I'm still tasting yes, I was that just gonna, sip yes, on my tongue. I know. I was going to ask you what you guys thought of that. There's, like, it's the clove has come out. Yeah. So good. That, like, the, the warming spices that you mentioned, like, that's really it right there. And, but you get, those, you get those really identifiable nebbiolo tannins, yes. there, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. They're, it's yes. very identifiable. Yeah. And, and then also that... that that big, bright fruit side. Yes. I think that that's also really important in there uh, to show up very, very fruity. And then as it, as it vanishes, mm -hmm. you have that 
the dry tannins, and then all of that warming spice kind of sits and lingers. Uh, this, this is um, this and this next next Barolo Quinato will be so different than that. I can't wait for you to try that. Yes. But that um, that Koki Barolo Quinato is just it, it's not that hard. It's not that quote unquote hard to find, and it's not that quote unquote expensive. It's probably I think that three seven five is around. Fifty dollars retail, I want to say. Okay. Um, I mean, it's it's not like it's not cheap, but I mean, it's 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 it's, 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 it's Nebbiolo. I mean, it's yeah. it's it's Barolo. It's really freaking good stuff. You're not doing seven ounce pours of that, right? Right, 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 right. <laughs> I actually for our cocktail night, I made a so I made a tonic with Szechuan peppercorns from Saturday Dumpling Club, and oh, right. yeah. and then uh, you basically did a a rum tonic with Barolo Quinato. Oh come on. Was, I can literally taste that right now. It was fun. Two rums, the, two Barolo Quinatos, Szechuan peppercorn tonic. That little like tingling sensation. A rumor of tingling. Oh, yeah. Come on. The rum, I made a bunch of them with gin, and then I was like, ah, just messing around. Let's just use rum. It's like, whoa, this is this is the move. There it is. You know, that's oh, the move. That's oh, beautiful. It's fun. Well, we should probably ask a question. I guess. Let's dig our heels in. All right, <laughs> Doctor Eastman two uh, what uh, book, movie, or album do you wish that more people consumed and or enjoyed? Whoa, book, movie, album. Book, movie, album. Just It doesn't have to be all three. Like, is there something no, that, no, no. I, yeah, that one of you the three. treasure that for some reason you just can't, you, you're blown away that more people haven't figured this out? Wow. Great. If, if great you do want to think about that, we can kick it. No, no, no. I, let me, let me, um, let's see. Sorry for the dead air, but I love this question. I want to treat it appropriately. Um, movie, I think uh, what I would say to movie is I'm kind of a romantic. And no, I'm going to strike the kind of. I'm a romantic. Yeah. Um, the Last of the Mohicans. I just, I, I've, I've watched that, I've, I watched that movie so many times when I first moved to Minnesota. I, I was, I first saw it when I was going to college in Ohio and, um, and I feel like plenty of people have seen this. I feel like I'm not breaking a lot of no. news here with this. But, <laughs> yeah. This isn't a, a spoiler alert. It, yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I just, I absolutely love, I, and I watched it fairly recently again. Um, but it's just such a beautiful movie and I, I, I don't, I, I just have a soft spot for it. Um, top five favorite soundtracks of all time. Top five what? Favorite soundtracks of all time. Oh, the, um, the main theme in Last of the Mohicans oh is one of the most breathtakingly beautiful songs oh. ever. And West in West Studi, um, just the, I, to this day, Magua yep. is my like username for most of my life. West Studi makes that. <laughs> oh, he's incredible. I mean, that's he's yeah. And uh, I would say also album. I love. Um, explosions in the sky and i like when i was really learning to cook a lot at home and taking time off of work and just you know prepping for dinner parties i would listen to the earth is not a cold dead place like over and over and over and over and it's just this beautiful very record. very vibey if i can use that word um record but I've seen them a couple of times at, at First Avenue, and you're obviously familiar with the band, and they're instrumental, and they're from Texas. And so these, these guys, they, they'll come onto the stage and says, you know, hey, everyone, so glad to be back here in Minneapolis. 
We're explosions in the sky, and we come from Texas. Here we go. And they play for 90 minutes without stopping yeah. or saying a word. And then it ends on this amazing crescendo, and then the stage just goes dark. And it's like that on every one of their shows and just gives me chills. I think so, I have I mean, to give Jesse Held credit for introducing me to them in like 2008. No kidding. Yeah. It was uh, we, because we did all the prep for our first bar job together. We were working on prep constantly. And I, I like 10 or 15 minutes in, I was in love and I was like, but there's no lyrics. There's no, no words. And I'm like, I'm a singer. Waiting for the guy. words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was so in love. I'm like, I almost don't want to like say anything because I don't want to ruin it. Yep. And, uh, and I'm, I'm like 99% sure that was from him. And I never stopped listening. Absolutely. And it, like the other one, if I feel like a lot of the folks listening will know this book. And this is, again, under the category of not breaking news, but I look at it on a daily basis is the Flavor Bible. Mm. It's, it's such an incredible. So I've, you go to the farmer's market, you have, you know, kohlrabi. It's like, what goes with kohlrabi? Turn to the kohlrabi page of the yeah. Flavor Bible, and it lists like eight things. It's, it's just a really good source of, for people that like to make things, uh, it's a really good source of inspiration. This is something that I do not have in my life. Whoa. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Well, this is worth coming here just for, just that. for that was, I mean, cause that's, that's a book you will want. Yes. Fantastic. Perfect. Uh, yeah. Charles, you can go all three if you want. I, I, was, I was, yeah, saying, sorry. I overachieved there. No, no, no I love that, man. You get a, <laughs> you get a, a sticker with a bunch of grapes and it says grape job. Great Cause that job. was a great job. I, I wasn't planning to, but I'm going to now. I, I, I just want to, I'll cause I'll just graze over a couple of, I, I also, I also struggle with questions like this cause I don't like to tell other people what they should like. Yeah. I'm okay with people like, but what this isn't like. this, again. This isn't you telling people to like it. No, this I know, is, but I wish more people did. My the way that my hmm. brain processes, I'm like, I, I don't want to convince people to like the things I like. But if we're gonna dig our heels in and 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 treat this with the respect that it deserves, you know that I listen to black metal, heavy metal, uh, death what? metal, and that I wish, yeah, I wish people understood the form yeah. more. I understand why they don't but I wish they'd give it a shot. I would say that if someone could give an album like uh, Opeth's Blackwater Park the respect that it deserves and maybe just like try it, just pay attention for the, it's pretty long, the 73 minutes or whatever <laughs> it is of the duration and like hear what they're, they're vocalizing about and hear the Spanish guitar and then the heavier portions of the electric guitar. It's very moving and it's a feat artistically book i'm not going to get too deep into it because i don't want to turn this into a religious conversation but greatest show on earth by richard dawkins yeah especially now with the way that the world is going i think people need to have more of an open mind about um understanding it's it's tricky to say understanding other points of view because i think a point of view that needs to be understood is a non-religious point of view by people who are fanatically religious yeah maybe it can maybe you could see things from a different perspective or understand some pitfalls in your own logic or understand that some people are just never going to be on the same page with you like myself and then the answer that was ultimately going to be my answer and it's funny because it's probably gonna be the shortest one and the reason why we'll explain that it's a very Topical answer, it's Pig with Nicolas Cage. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, Pig with Nicolas Cage is not what you think it is when you're looking at the poster or watching the trailer or reading a description of it. 
it's entirely different than anything you've imagined that it is. And the only reason you don't know that is because if someone explained what it was about, it would ruin the movie. So I can't tell you what it's about, but I can tell you that it, that movie really moved me. And I think that a lot of people uh, that I know and strangers alike would really enjoy that movie if they gave it a spin. I don't know it. When, when was it made? I think it came out Approx- last year. Yeah, it came out okay. last year, so probably yeah, made right before new. COVID. Got it's it. on, uh, I don't remember if I rented it on demand or if it was on a streaming service right now. It might be on a streaming service. I think I, I think it is streaming now maybe on HBO? Maybe. You can look it up. Yeah. It depends when you're listening to this as well. But uh, go on Just Watch. Look up Pig, Nicolas Cage. It's, it is incredible. Like, at the end, like, when it ends, you're like... That's when you realize that it's not, it's nothing like what you thought was happening the entire duration. That's not a spoiler, but you'll see when you see. And it's a very powerful film. I am instantly enamored with the director. I am not looking at his name right now. I can't recall it, but now I want to see anything that he does heretofore. It's really fucking great. I think everyone should give it a shot. That's fantastic. I, um, so, again, I was just going to, to pick one of the three, but now I feel like we've formed a pattern. <laughs> no. So I got to go in there. Shoot, I'm sorry. Uh, no, no, no. I, I, I actually like that, though, because it, it got, like, I already had an answer set. Now it got we my brain roiling. Too. We got six answers in, like, four minutes. Yeah, right it's legit. <laughs> okay, right. Um, so the book that I was going to say, and uh, it goes back to what I was saying earlier about the fact that I'm a music junkie. Um, I always thought it was, like, just something weird about my brain or, like, some obsessive quality in there. And I found a book um, probably close to 10 years ago. It's the book that I have bought for people as a gift the most in my life. And I will Mm. guarantee you that only one of them has read it, (laughs) (laughs) which is always such a bummer. Um, But uh, it's called This Is Your Brain on Music, and it's by Dr. Daniel Levitan. And he is a uh, a psychologist and a neurologist, uh, Professor emeritus at some prestigious university bunch of people right now listening going well fuck you too bad exactly (laughs) um but it's uh it's from a scientific point of view and from a psychological point of view it looks at why our brains take in music the way that we do so it's not looking at what's catchy in music. And sometimes he does talk about why certain things end up getting popular more than other things, but it breaks down what happens inside your brain, inside your hormone system, inside everything that affects you, why that happens and why music has been a part of human society since we started forming societies. Um, And little things like the fact that if you map a brain with, you know, if you put the electrode pads on a brain, and you have somebody listening to a song, and then half an hour later or the next day, you have them think of that song and, and kind of play it through in their head, your brain registers those two things as the exact same thing. So when you're thinking or when you have a song in your head, your brain is registering that the same way it would if it was playing on a speaker. And looking at all of those reasons, it, it kind of helped explain to me a little bit more why I have such a tight attachment to that why I can weep at a song and I can look at one of the most beautiful paintings in the world and I, it's nice. I, I think it's beautiful, but it doesn't affect me emotionally. And it gave me a little bit more insight into why my brain craves music more than any other art form in that way. And I think that because we have 
it's an art that we have access to at all times because of the way technology has gone. Sure. Like you can't just like sit down and watch a movie whenever you want. You can't have a full painting in front of you whenever you want, but you can have music in your ears whenever you want it and pretty much any music on earth. And I just feel like with, with that closeness that we have, it just goes underappreciated because I think people don't, want to understand it and it, he it's not overly scientific and jargon he breaks it down in a very very casual prose which is also very nice because he would have lost me in the first chapter if he was just talking about what they were doing but it's studies over 10 to 13 or 10 to 14 years and it's really neat to kind of get to hear why my brain does the way does what it does when I hear music and I, I, I love that and I just wish I don't know I wish more people would get into that because I, I've thought uh, you know a little bit about not to interrupt you no 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 please um, but about the, when you say the way your brain why your brain interprets it um, uh, music for me has always been very, extremely binary it like it hits or it misses yep there's very little, like, just kind of, oh, that's okay. I mean, it's like I'm either, like, and this also is a little bit of my personality, too. Sure. Like, I'm very all in or very kind of, like, eh. But, but music, especially Explosions in the Sky, is a perfect example. It's Absolutely. Like, it's just, like, it just, there was something, like, when I first heard that, just installed. It, like, it was like a virus that just I was infected with. Well, and it, sometimes it breaks down to, to the patterns and how things work within the way that they write music is they found a rhythm or a pattern that, that your brain enjoyed, and then it wants that, that pattern to move. It's, it's fascinating to really think about interesting. that. Really interesting. Yeah, that's um, really interesting. You know, like uh, if you look at, um, have you ever had a, a song that ends on a cliffhanger where, you know, they're, they're going through the same chord progression, same chord progression, and then it cuts off before... Before it continues. Before it continues. Sure. And you're left wanting more. It's your brain has mm. turned that into a mathematical pattern and it needs to finish the equation. And that's why you're like, what? <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> no, it's, it, that's a natural need for your brain to find an order, which is something that we do in, in all aspects of our, of our modern society. We're gonna, trying to find patterns. I'm going to send you both the, this one YouTube Explosions in the Sky concert and it ends exactly like that. Awesome. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Mm. Um, as far as, as a movie goes, um, I just, I just wish all of the Christopher Guest mockumentaries, I feel like hit a very certain, a certain group of people and then they sort of get missed on the long run. And I just wish people would understand how brilliant yeah. he is as a comedian, uh, yeah, waiting for Guffman, best in show, yep. a mighty wind, spinal tap. I was just that's, reading about, I yeah, mean, that's... it's, it's amazing, but they're also, it's very niche. And, and I don't think, I think it's approachable for people that maybe don't go for that comedy all the time, but I, I just think he's a genius. And, uh, and then for, for, for an album or for music, uh, I've been reminded, um, after a 20 year hiatus, one of my favorite bands from my youth, uh, showed up out of nowhere and dropped an album and, uh, the original, the two original singer songwriters are back in the studio for the first time in 23 years. I had no idea it was coming. And it's just as fucking good as it was when they left off. But the original album uh, is a group, it's a group called The Stereo. The album's called 300. And in an era where like Nickelback and Stained and Linkin Park were reigning supreme, uh, you know, Limp Bizkit was the king of everything. They were writing super hooky pop rock. And it makes me so happy. What's it called? Uh, the Stereo is the band. I'm taking notes. The Stereo is the band and the album is called 300. 
Got it. And uh, it's almost hilarious. Like they were like they were doomed. They never they never made it. But the the there's a podcast about what happened from the guy that got kicked out of the band, and it starts with all of these musicians that I love talking about how influential that record was to them. And for 23 years, I've thought that I was the only one. I've, I've tried to force friends to listen to it, nothing. And it's really cool knowing that at least there are people, little pockets all over the world of other people that felt the same way, you know? <laughs> so it was really cool. So to be able to write in, in, when everything was supposed to be dark and mean and aggressive and like super bullshit machismo. Stained, talk about dark, mean and aggressive. <laughs> right? like, great call. You know, like fucking the, the, I think the week that that album came out, Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit was like number one on the charts. Yeah. And they're just writing super hooky, yeah. big, crunchy pop rock. And it, I loved it. Like everybody else was like mean and rocking. And I'm like, this is really fun. This is happy. Yeah. And Jamie Wolford can sing his balls off and does all of his own harmonies and shit. It's, it's great. So I just, Again, good stuff. Good always, stuff. Always learn something here on Libations for Everyone. Thank you. Well, cheers to that. Cheers to that. I'm going to finish off this uh, beautiful Barolo. Let's do that. And do you want to slide into Barolo number two, or what do you want to do? Uh, I feel like that sounds quite nice. I guess Charles still has a little bit, so we can hold off. Heard. Charles, we're not rushing, rushing your Barolo consumption whatsoever. Apologies there. Ooh, ooh there it is. I savored it. Mm. Don't worry, I savored it. Perfect. It was just a uh, just a little bit. Shoot, I should have done that closer Palmer, to the you mic. Still up to no. bat? <laughs> yeah, I am. Yeah, we have, we have an interesting order this time, so we're kind of we're kind of out of sync as we 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 would normally do things. But as you're pouring these, uh, Eric, the next question that I wanted to ask you was, um, what is your favorite holiday or celebratory meal? Could be like a dish; doesn't have to be like the whole meal. But is there something that you look forward to when a, a celebration is coming or a holiday is coming? Is there something that you are just like, this is my jammy jam? Two-part answer, yes, is, is the answer. Uh, the thing that for most of, oh gosh, it's a several-part answer, or I guess, but so Thanksgiving you is- think this is a th- podcast? Thanks, yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Thanksgiving is the answer, uh, of course, as someone who loves food and the pleasures of the table, but- um, the, the Eastman family icebox is a dessert made basically of a very fluffy chocolate mousse that's intertwined with some angel food cake. And it's when growing up, it would come out. My mom would make it four times a year on my dad's birthday, my mm-hmm. birthday, Thanksgiving, and Christmas. And my dad's birthday is November 2nd. Mine's November 8th. Then there's Thanksgiving. Then there's Christmas. Ooh. So it was like bang, 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 bang. Just, yeah. Just a murderer's of row of chocolate amazingness so that is kind of the iconic holiday um dish for me number two Hold on, real quick can i ask how yeah. how is it served how's it served so it's like good question it's 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 created in you know like a a, lo- a big pan right and it's so it's got right? it's like you know f- four three what is that three four inches thick sure and so it's served like a almost like a piece of cake okay right with with whipped cream on top so you get like a like a slice correct okay. a slice exactly right um, and my mom has like this, I think this recipe, I mean, there's varying opinions on where this recipe came from, I think, but I, I think it was my, I think it was my grandmother's recipe that when my parents, my, when my dad married my mom, like my grandmother gave my mom, like, so here's all the recipes that, you know, Joe enjoys. Oh, wow. And that was one of them. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and 
Uh, and, and so, yeah, that was, that was, that's, I mean, that's to this day, you know, my mother made me that yeah. for my birthday this year or the last year. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a very nostalgic, it's very, there's nothing like it. There's no restaurant that you go to that serves that. It's just, it's absolutely, it was probably from, you know, a better homes and gardens, something like that. I have no idea. You know what I mean? Something like sure. that though. Yeah. But it's just like, it's something my mother just totally has like the hand with it. She yeah. like, she, she nails it every it's time, like the, the yeah. lightness of the mousse and it's just, it's just, and she makes the angel food cake and, um, it's, it's, it's great. And then her, 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 uh, her Thanksgiving stuffing too is just extraordinary. Mm. Um, but, but th- I, I mean, I would say chocolate ice box is the, is, is, is the answer to that. Amazing. Is yeah. the, uh, is the stuffing or dressing like a very classic American style? Wild rice. Um, yeah, that's okay. my jam too. Yeah. Wild rice. Yeah. It's gonna and, be wild rice you know, stuffing. And then, you know, lots of sage. Um, it's, it's not, so I would, what I, what I will say is that, you know, we like, the, the, the recipe is very traditional. And when I started to cook very, you know, pretty, when I started to really enjoy cooking, I like, I made mole one year for Thanksgiving, you know, and every, and then the family was kind of like, what are we doing? This is not turkey. <laughs> hold like, up, hold up, hold, hold on, time out. There. And we do, we did a beef tenderloin one year. And then, but we also had to do the turkey because it's like, so there's like four of us, my mom, my dad, my sister and I, and we had a turkey and a beef tenderloin. <laughs> and it's just because I wanted to cook something different. Um, and, you know, I have an amazing family. So they just, they, they were like, sure, let's do it. Um, but no, this, the stuffing, I guess it's not technically stuffing, it's dressing, right? Because yeah. it's not in the bird. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, how about you? It's, we also do a, it's a wild rice dish with uh, bacon and celery and uh, sage and uh, yeah, it's, uh, and of course, cream of mushroom. We have to have it. Oh, of course. It's got to be Yes, okay. <laughs> but, uh, but Charles, what's your, is there a holiday or a celebratory dish that you look forward to? Well, this question was posed to me as meal, not dish. Yep. So you're going to have to hit me with the genie sprinkles because I'm cheat coding this motherfucker. My answer is, did you, did you genie sprinkle me? I did, and it, it, it was so perfect. Did you sprinkle me? I, you want to do a second time? No, one sprinkles enough. <laughs> okay. Trust me, I've heard the sprinkles on the podcast. We have a penchant for overdoing it. Uh, so Welcome I'm, to me. I'm, I'm going to answer this with meal, and as someone that has such varied interests in food and beverage, I'm going to pick my anniversary because we always go bonkers uh, with our dining experiences. Yes, you do. <laughs> when do you not go bonkers with your dining experience? Well, sorry, sorry. Mr. Eastman, <laughs> Thanksgiving. <laughs> because I have done, hey man, I did a, I did a pre-colonial dinner because fuck Columbus. So I, I tried doing a pre pre-Columbian meal and my family was like fuck you <laughs> I, made, I made like 19 dishes and they were like dude wh- is what is get this get out food? yeah and it wasn't that the food wasn't great it was that they came expecting American Thanksgiving yep and they got something better sorry guys anyways <laughs> so my answer is yeah date anniversaries. I've always treated as adventures absolutely uh we we take a trip it's usually like a localized trip but uh you know chicago or well local meaning the contiguous u.s our actual wedding anniversary you know our honeymoon we were in lebanon and spain uh our first anniversary unfortunately uh we were just stuck at home last year we did puerto rico so we went to last year's a good for instance we went to 1919 restaurant in San Juan, fucking beautiful, overlooking the water, incredible food. Michelin is not there, but if they were, it would be probably a one star. 
white tablecloth, beautiful wine list, exceptional food, borderline avant-garde, but fine dining, just really good, great, fresh food, seafood's right there. So for me, it's, of course, the answer is going to be that, like, the variable nature and the un- the, the um, unpredictable nature of, like, where are we going to go this year? We're still searching for our destination for late July, early August for where we travel because my wife, as a school teacher, will be on break. We're thinking maybe Mexico City. We could go somewhere in Europe. I mean, there you go. Just if we go to Mexico City, you know we're eating some mole. Oh, my gosh. It won't be Thanksgiving, Eastman, but yep. <laughs> give it to me. <laughs> yeah, so my answer is probably one of those unpredictable celebratory occasions where you, you never know exactly what you're going to get, but it's going to be something real good. That's what makes it great. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love it. That's a great answer. Good, good grief. For me, uh, I'll, I'll give it the term, the get together versary. Uh, Jenny and I mm-hmm. uh, first uh, became a romantic thing on uh, Memorial Day weekend. Did I snipe you again? No, I mean it's because we do we do we do this for Valentine's Day. Like it's it's kind of been shifting. We do try to travel on our our get together anniversary, sure. um, but sometimes if if that's not going to be possible, we'll do this on on Valentine's Day. But uh, I like to call it arched brow, as in you're raising one uh, one sneaky eyebrow because it's part highbrow and part lowbrow. <laughs> but we will either, if we're traveling somewhere, we will pick a night and we will stay in the hotel. Like between the rock and a hard place? Sorry, I had to do it. <laughs> yes, yes, of course. And yeah. you can probably smell what we're cooking. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's keep it going. Hold on. Uh, people's uh, elbow noodles. Yeah, okay, not, we're done. I mean, not to be a jabroni, but. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> but uh, we either will order in takeout white box Chinese food and get a nice bottle of champagne and then sit in a lavish hotel and watch trashy TV while drinking nice champagne and eating uh, uh, mountains of uh, very, very affordable Chinese food. Or I love that. Or if we're traveling somewhere uh, really nice, what we will do is we'll find the nicest deli that we can or market, and we will make the most expensive sandwich that we can and then grab a really affordable bottle of wine and paper cups and we will find a park to go sit and eat a ridiculous sandwich with just chuggable red wine and enjoy it. We've done that in a laundromat. We've done it uh, on a park bench. We've done it overlooking a sculpture garden. Uh, and it's, it's just the most wonderful experience because it's a little bit lavish and a little bit like, yeah, you know, at our heart, we're still, you know, we're still kids barely getting by. And I love the duality of it. And I love that it's something that's like just for us, you know? The champagne is my favorite part of that. Oh, it's so great. And it cuts, again, the same reason that champagne and fried chicken is such a great yeah. combo mm-hmm. because it cuts through that unctuous fat. Same thing, like all of those Americanized Chinese to-go boxes uh, have like, you know, corn star- starch slurry to thicken it up and everything is, is, has a sheen to it. You know, mm-hmm. your, your lips look like you're rocking some MAC lip gloss because of all the, the joyous fat in there that makes it delicious. And then that effervescent, sharp champagne just jumps right through that. It's like, ah, uh-uh, we're clearing the room. No, we're clearing, clear, yeah. <laughs> we're clearing the room. Clearing the room. Everybody out. <laughs> and we're then you clearing just, the room. And then you start over that. again. It's, it's just the most wonderful experience. Also the high-low. Yeah. Right? I yep. mean, there's, there's, there's something to be said for it's like the high, the champagne, 
the, the and then just the the, the craveable you know whatever whatever it is doesn't mean yeah. it doesn't mean it matter if it's Chinese food or the the the, the burger dive burger or yeah. whatever you know just yeah. kind of like the but it's that middle zone that kind of is not where you want to be right, right. The, the high low yeah exactly at least the high low the, the the arch sure. the high and low brow at the same time the arch brow isn't there a, yeah, they, I think they should, all this, of us when we're traveling to you know you get a grimy lunch because you technically feel bad about yourself for doing so much fancy shit in the evenings. You know, I was getting Scar's Pizza in New York for lunch because I knew I was going to go to, like, per se in the evening. Like, all right, I got to do some ordinary stuff or else (laughs) it's not like, it's like I'm not even here. It's like I'm not even in the city because when you're in those places, you're incubated. Mm -hmm. Sure. It's too exclusive, you know? You're just, you're not really part of the city when you're doing that. So I love street food. So I like, yeah, I love the the confluence. And, of course, there's, there are things, it's just like, uh, uh, comedies and and Marvel movies don't get Academy Award nominations. It doesn't mean that the the art form is not as valuable. Same thing with like a great slice of pizza in New York City, yeah. or like Give me a that. great uh, bowl of noodles or something from like a window that you just fly by. Oftentimes, that's better than the place with the For candles sure. and the tablecloth that charge you six times more for the same bowl of noodles. There's a food cart in New York City on Wall Street that has the best doubles I've ever had, and I will swear by that. And there, there's never going to be a brick-and-mortar restaurant. Mm-hmm. you got to go there. you got to wait in line. you got to have the impatient guy on his old Bluetooth that has, like, the giant Britney Spears mic that comes around who's just yelling about stocks right in front of you and then, like, pauses oh. for one second to order something. you got to have all of that because that's, like, you, like, Charles, like you were just saying, like, that's the city. That's what I love is like just yeah, being yeah. a part of that. Like being you're, in, like, yeah, you're just in a, a lunch crowd, man. For sure, and for I, sure. I love vanishing into that for a little bit and I just mean, becoming part of like the city's thread. Dumplings, yeah, Peter, oh, right. I mean, like I feel like Peter and Linda with Saturday Dumpling Club have they kind of have the the all in one high low because they have a dumpling which is kind of inherently you know low brow, right? It's just it's just it's simple. It's a dumpling, right? But then. Man, theirs are so beautiful and so refined and done with such love and such care. And they're accessible. You can just, you can, you know, you, well, if you can get them, right? I mean, <laughs> exactly. that, accessible right. in quotes. Um, but they're, they're like the, di- I had the dill pork dumplings oh, last so night. Jealous. They are so just ridiculous. I mean, they are so good. And it has, I just, I just, whenever I eat them, I think of, I think of, I literally think of high low. Yep. I mean, it's it's just this is as good as a dumpling gets. This it doesn't get better. I am eating the best that this is. It every and then, time, and then, and, and then every, like every just, Saturday it's, a pickup. It's it's yeah. it's. Yeah, it's yeah, we see each other literally every time. I know. But like inherently, it's just, it is simple food. It's but it's simple food done extraordinarily well. I just yeah, I, and it's a it's, great deal of work. And oh. you can't hide behind anything. Nope. Just like a logger. Nope, you are just, like, this is, it's your, it's exactly. Right you can't hide behind you. anything. Can't that hide. is a great yeah. way to say that. That's, those are some of the most difficult things to make. Yes. If you make a big sloppy sandwich with 800 things on it and it's. Two ingredient cocktails. Toasted and there's cheese and. Yeah. Chili flakes and all kinds of stuff on yep. it. Yeah. You're not going to notice that the, the fried egg on it is, you know, over medium <laughs> instead of over easy like you asked for. But like a dumpling, each dumpling is its own meal. You put the dumpling in your mouth, it's an entire meal. Absolutely. It's an entire universe contained within that wrapper. And if you fuck up anything, it's going to be evident every time you put one in your mouth. You know what I've been doing with his dumplings is I, one, one of the, this is, this is a little Twin Cities life hack. 
the little apothecary situation at Alma. Yeah. With Margot mm. Roberts's, you know, sprays and oils and lotions and et cetera. And they also have things like Zatar yeah. there. So when I make Peter's dumplings, I sprinkle a little of Alma Zatar on it. Come on. It Ooh, is. That's confusing so for a Lebanese boy. It's what? It's confusing for a Lebanese boy. I want to try it, but I'm it's, like, I'm, wait, what? Yes. No, I'm not saying it like is logical <laughs> at all. I know. It's, but I love I'm like Alex to, Roberts so much. To, like Alex Roberts is like, oh my God. I'm like, do I put him on the ramp and pork? I put them on every single one that I you make. Do? I do. I do. Whoa, I do. Next I do. And I, I don't. Ha- I don't. I guess. I mean, I have a few that I go to more. But mm. I, I like my move with the dumplings is I make them. I put them in a bowl. I put. I empty the sauce over them, and I drizzle the zatar. Okay, you do pour the sauce over. Yep. Yep. I do the little. I either stab it like a serial killer, or I bite the end off and then I dunk it. And then you dunk and it. And then at the very end, you know what I do with the rest of the sauce? Drink it. Little shooter. Little shooter. You got to do it. Yep. 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 Fair. No leftover sauce in my house. Uh No sauce left behind. Marnie, hold on. What are you doing there? (laughs) (laughs) You fucking weirdo. She hands it to me. Oh, yeah. That's the stuff. (laughs) Well, I think we're walking into, uh, this is the perfect lead into question number three. It is. Is it not? Well, cheers, fellas. Cheers. Bueno. Bueno. Cheers to dumplings and zater. Okay, topic number three, Mr. Eastman. Brother man. We did walk right into this. You're going to New York. It's <laughs> your final trip for whatever reason. You're never going back okay. ever again. You have one evening. Where are you going? Oh. I know we all love New York, so this had to, I felt like this. Yeah, one, yeah, yeah. I've been saving this one for you knowing eventually you'd come back. Yep. When this question occurred to me, I was like, I'm asking Eastman this question. Got it. Thank you. Good, great question. Um, I think, is this for, for anywhere for, for food or drink or both or either? Whatever. Like you have an evening, say you arrive and do whatever you, you want. land at, let's say you land at noon. Yep. Okay. Make it a fucking day. Yep. Stay up as late as you want, <laughs> but you, you land at noon, you leave at noon. So you have a, you have a day, 24 hours, the layover, um, Anthony Bourdain. i would say um can i be with anyone i want to be with absolutely excellent i hadn't even considered that portion yeah of the equation i figured i was going to be by myself yeah oh yeah yeah (laughs) you can do because i wouldn't do this i wouldn't do this if i was by myself but Mm. um the last time i was there was with steve hoffman and joe kotnick and we went to um we went to danielle yeah and it was a combination of everyone that was at the table. Terry Rodriguez, a uh, winemaker from uh, the producer. He owns the uh, winery called Mas Cabinel in Otignac, France. And Joe Kotnick, who's now importing those wines, and Steve and myself. And I think I would, I, I, if, if I, I would want to, again, do the high-low. Um, I would want to go high there at Danielle. Because, I mean, I so... Another, I mean, the, the meal that we had there was incredible on all levels. One of my favorite components to that meal was I went to the restroom, which is downstairs and around the corner from the host stand. Um, and I was coming back up the stairs and I realized that, you know, we're, and we're in New York, we're, we're in an Airbnb, how, like 
way far away. Um, and I realized my phone was almost dead. And so I was like, oh, well, shit. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure they have a solution for that here. <laughs> um, so I asked the gentleman at the host stand. I was like, hey, would you mind charging my phone? And he said, of course. And that was it. And I stood there for a count and, you know, I was like, do you need any other information from me? Like where I'm sitting or like, you know, like what my name is or, and and I said that and he goes, nope, we got you. Amazing. I was like, "Uh, okay. So I went back, you know, continued the amazingness. An hour later, my phone shows up at the table fully charged. You go, oh. Not the, okay, great. Nice. Wow. I mean, that's just like Thank kind you. of the level yeah. of the, what, yeah. what that place is, Gotta of course. That. I mean, there's a trillion other tiny details um, that, that they do amazingly, amazingly well. But then I think after that, I would want to go to Amori Amargo for this Amaro Sazerac. Mm. And it, it yes, just, we, we, we went there yes, twice. And oh, it, I mean, it's... It's probably the, the whole bar is smaller than this room that we're in, which is not very big at all. It's probably the size of, uh, you know, it's probably 12 feet wide by 20 feet long, maybe. The charms of the comically tiny New York bar. Exactly. Exactly. Most of which you can't see your fucking hand in front of your face. Anymore. Yeah. yeah, And that's this. <laughs> that would be true here, too. Death & Co. is the dark. No. Uh-uh. Attaboy, Attaboy. Is the dar- Attaboy yeah. is the darkest part. Attaboy, I'm pretty sure, ruined my jacket that then got destroyed at a dry cleaner. Yep. Something was dripping on me. Yep. Yeah. No, I couldn't see shit. No. Was, all that and they made me stand in the corner. They're like, can you dark. stand back there? Uh, oh, this is my this is, this is is my seat? Yeah, sure. I'll fucking stand back here. <laughs> yeah. It was, it, I mean, it was amazing. It was great. We, I, we actually, Steve and I sat outside at Attaboy, yeah. um, which, which was great. Are um, you sure you were outside? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think I'm outside. I think I'm outside. <laughs> uh, but yeah, that would be my answer. Danielle and Amoria Margo. Cool. I dig it. Quam? Well, <clears throat> I feel like at first I have to posit, can it be a place that no longer exists? It cannot. Okay, it's got to be somewhere It's like we're thinking, you know, just think like if, you, right if it was now. tomorrow or after, right? There are places that I would like to go that I have not been, uh, but I'm not? Not, I'm not going to... I'm not going to go down that road. Okay. I, I would love to go to 11 Madison Park. Uh, I stayed same. across the street from it, and uh, we had Do a you chance. you still want to go there even though it's all vegan? I would absolutely still go there. I'm fascinated. It's what? Wait. It's, it's all, all vegan. vegan. Get out. I'm fascinated by that. Uh, yeah. There is a good chance that if Jenny and I go to Noma in Denmark, we will go for the vegan yeah, it could run. Be. I did not know that. I that, want to see I'd what... I'd rather do it at Noma, though, because that was something they already were known for yep. and that they excel in. I just... I don't have anything against it, but with all the opportunity there and the limited number of nights... Yeah, okay. No, so I'm, your answer, I, I'm, I'm interested in that, but I'm, I'm going to go with... I would hate myself if I couldn't go back for not going to hit some of my favorite places, right? Yeah. So if... If, if we have a 24-hour like you swing. You know you're not coming. Right. For whatever reason, is yep. you just can't ever come back. Yep. I'm banned <laughs> as soon as I get on the no plane. No banned. I'm banned. I'm out. So uh, I would. Padding. That's probably actually a good. You're leaving the country. You're never coming back. Never coming back. Things have gotten even weirder somehow. Yeah. Which, Time to go. I mean, we're on that track anyway. So okay. maybe I have to actually okay. think about this. <laughs> um, 
land there, first thing I'm going to do is go get a bowl of concubine noodles and my uh, mm. cumin uh, pepper lamb sandwich at Gian Famous. I have to start it out there because that's my go-to. Perfect that's example the thing. of a place that should have a Michelin star. Correct. I, I, I dream about that place fortnightly. It is so wonderful. I've talked about it plenty of times on the show. Hit that. That's where we're starting. Then uh, I would probably have uh, a meal uh, at Mission Chinese. I would still go and have the Kung Pao pastrami because Katz's Deli pastrami in a Sichuan peppercorn Chinese stir fry mm. is one of the most beguiling dishes that I've ever had. And I've even replicated it to the best of my abilities, but I would 100% want to go there and sit in a fine dining restaurant listening to Wu-Tang and Notorious B.I.G. and housing some of that. I would leave there. I would go grab a Virginia ham wrapped hot dog deep fried at Chris Dogs, and I would have that curry martini at PDT. And then I would probably nice. bounce around and have cocktails until I couldn't feel feelings anymore. <laughs> please don't. Please don't tell. Please don't. Please, please don't tell. Please don't tell. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I would for sure nightcap it after that across the street at the cutest little Irish pub called St. Dymphna's. And I would uh, crush mm. a delicious frosty glass of harp and uh. leave my name for the fourth time on their walls as they do allow graffiti. What's well, better than a crisp harp? Oh, it's so good. good Especially Lord. after like a deep fried hot dog with ham and then a savory martini. Go get one of those beautiful palate cleanser. Crash that night and then maybe hit donut plant for a peanut butter and jelly glazed donut. It is a jelly filled glazed raised donut and it is a peanut butter glaze that goes over the top your recall is amazing you realize that right well these are the things that i love yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. uh i was fortunate enough to work for a company whose headquarters was there so i was out there every two to three months and i would always stick on an extra day just for myself to explore um and then to end it i would probably go to there is a um there's a brunch spot uh, a Central and South American brunch spot called Calle Ocho. And uh, they have beautiful, it's, it's the best uh, ropa vieja I've ever had. Mm. Like it, it, nice. the flavor was just jumping off the plate. I literally thought about licking my plate when I finished just because I didn't want any of that sauce to go to waste. Um, it has this cute little well, courtyard patio. Did you finger the plate? Did you get a piece of bread? I oh, know you didn't let that go. To no, bread. I for sure. They had uh, tostones, and so I just rubbed go. those yeah. on there and, and housed it. But honestly, that was almost like some extra tostones, right? But that was all, almost like I don't want that flavor in there. I just want to just yeah drink this sauce. But they also have a full uh, dessert program for brunch, and they have these like amazing like fruited basically donuts. And each one, it, they, they all just come in a pile, but each one is a different flavor. And they were the most beautiful, tender, fluffy things that I had ever had. And again, like, you know, they have all kinds of different sangria, and that was wonderful. But the music playing, the owner singing along, the chefs coming out just to say, hey, just to see, like, hey, what did you think of this? Like, mm -hmm. it, it was just beautiful. Uh, and then on my way out, if I could stuff any food back into me before okay. I left, I would go... <laughs> I would go hit Xi'an Famous one more time and slurp a giant hand-pounded noodle on my way out. And then have someone cart your ass onto the oh, plane. Oh, yeah, for sure. In my glorious food coma. Uh, it, it just, that would be, I'd, as much as I would love to take one last adventure, I think if I knew that I couldn't go back, I would want to hit the things that have meant the most to me over these years. And especially 
as I've grown in my career and as I've grown in my ability to afford different things, a lot of those are also touchstones to when I didn't have enough money to afford nicer things. And those were the things that made me feel like I belonged. And, uh, you know, if I could fit it in, I'd love to go hit that, that Trinidadian uh, food cart on Wall Street. Like, there's places like that that just meant a you lot to me. You got 11 meals in 24 hours. Hey, man. <laughs> I don't know if you've seen me, but I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, like, knowing it's the end. Like, yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. I, would, I would push through, you know. <laughs> I'm assuming that's what people talk about when they're saying runner's high. is like you just keep pushing. It's dinner I, high. Yeah, it's dinner yeah. high. The eater's high. Exactly. <laughs> that's where I would go. Uh, well done. Charles. Hit yeah, us up with that's the, quite the whirlwind. I'm adding a stop or two on account of the the breadth of your visit. Uh, I'm landing and I'm gonna go get lunch at Defara. I haven't beautiful. been to Defara in probably 12 years. The old man recently passed away. Mm-hmm. He has made me pizza. Uh, I would love to go back there and pay homage. What a beautiful! If pizza. I go there right now, there's a thing that I would go to that I've never been to because it didn't exist. There's a um, Jean-Michel Basquiat uh, exhibit. Mm. that is curated by his family. Amazing. That believes in Brooklyn, that I want to go to New York just for that. Like, I want to go sometime this summer to go to see that exhibit. So I would do that next while I digest my delicious pizza. Uh, Dinner, difficult to pick, but if there was a meal that I could never have again, I think the, the omakase meal that I had at the Hinoki Bar at Masa was incomparable to anything that sure. you can have in the United States of that nature. So I would be having that meal, trying to get Chef Masa to laugh at my shitty jokes. <laughs> <laughs> Bringing him another. Yep. Uh, what else do I got? Oh, Cigar at Carnegie Club. This is replicating, actually, a lot of the experience that I had the evening that I went to Masa. So I went to add a cigar at the Carnegie Club. Beautiful place. Get a really shitty, dirty martini. Um, and then go to... Brooklyn again to St. Vitus for a metal show, which I also did that evening. I saw Cave in oh, yeah. there and it was fucking cool. Total change of environment from one of the nicest restaurants in the United States to a metal bar. Uh, and then I would nightcap it uh, now that we were talking about it. I'd go to Attaboy. And the reason I'd go to Attaboy is because there's no menu. Nope. And I feel like if I told them this is my last day <laughs> yeah. ever. They would make me a dope-ass drink because the drink that they made me the last time I was there when my jacket almost certainly got ruined was called The Indecisive Man. And it was because I really did want to just leave it. I wanted to leave it in the hands mm-hmm. of the bartender. So what do you like? I like everything. Well, should I make it bitter, sweet, sour? Like I was like, I don't fucking care. I want to be totally surprised by what you make. And so he brought me over a drink and he said, it's called The Indecisive Man. I was like, how apropos. But that's why I think that would be... Do you have any idea what was in it? Uh, it was a combination of some really well-aged rums, some honey, some something bitter. I don't remember all of it. I was pretty drunk at that point. But it was a rum, honey, bitter, something or other, uh, and it was really nice. I, yeah. Lemon, rum, honey. Anyways. It was really nice, but I like the, the notion, I enjoy the notion of yeah. if that's my last stop, it's because I, I have no control over the result. So I think that that would be my, that'd be my nightcap. You getting food before you head back to the airport? Good question. Good question. I don't know. 
I don't I didn't I didn't really think about that part. Um Oh god, what's a place that I had that burger with? There's a place that does a really great brunch burger. Names on the tip of my tongue. That would be fantastic. No, you know what I do? I'd go to Dante. Oh, all right. I would go to Dante and I would get that goddamn drink that I was telling you guys yeah. about in the Charles yeah, yeah. Lovejoy, the Campari and Orange Slurry. Yes. I'd get one of those suckers. No, I'd pound four of those, <laughs> drop my sunglasses and get on the plane and Fact. Just cry on my way out of the out of the city. I love that. Oh, I absolutely love that. I love the specificity. I feel like I underachieved a little bit there. Not at all. But that, that, I, that, that no. you, you guys, I, I, seriously, that's good stuff. You also have to remember that we knew these questions were coming and you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you had six yeah. hours to sit on it, you <laughs> might have a few more did, it, did anything, I mean, if anything else occurred to you, speak now or forever. Uh, no, no, I'm happy with my answer. Yeah. Uh, good. But, good. but, I mean, because, yeah, I, I, can, I can taste, like, that. I can taste that. Amaro Sazerac, quote unquote, from Amori oh, yeah. Amargo. Like, uh, I mean, that is the wildly impactful cocktail. The um, that peanut butter and jelly donut that I was talking about mm-hmm. from Donut Plant. Uh, going back to you being a romantic, uh, one of the one of the grandest gestures that I have ever pulled off with my wife was uh, I bought an extra one and I made it all the way home with it in my carry on. Without ruining it, so oh that I could God. bring her a fresh donut from That's that incredible. morning yeah. at the donut plate because I just had to have her experience how beautiful this donut was. I and always, like, I always do that when I travel. I bring some pastry home from Arnie. That's the part. That's the love. Yeah. Is if you can bring it back intact. Yeah. It's not the delicious treat because it wouldn't matter if it's smashed; it would still be delicious. It's actually bringing it back in its perfect form. Very difficult to do. I would fight a stranger for messing with the, <laughs> the food that I was bringing home. <laughs> you bump my bag. Nope. I will go to toes with TSA over this. <laughs> yeah. And I would venture to say, because we didn't specify, that Kwame and I are alone on our trips because, A, we're eating way too goddamn much, yeah. and, B, we're moving way too goddamn fast. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And Jenny doesn't, she just doesn't, she's not anywhere near as gluttonous as I am when it comes to all of that. Uh like, she'll tap out sometimes and be like, I'm going to go back to the hotel. If for you sure. want to go out for another dish or another drink, go ahead. And it's a nice it's nice to be confident in where we're at in our relationship to be able to do that. But there are times yeah. where I'd be like, ah, oh, I wish there was like a, like, like a second stomach that we could somehow port to you so that we could get a little bit more in. But that's, again, that's, that's because it's a thing that I am very into. Sure. And she's just into different things. She wants to go look at the architecture and the doors and museums and art and all that. And it's, that's we, just as beautiful. Yes, of course. I, uh, yeah. Let's, I have <laughs> questions for you offline. Okay. All right. And they're about me, not about you. Uh, Charles, you are going to ask the next question. Uh, I am... I am dry on my brown currently. I was yeah. wondering if I should bust out the bottle that sure. I brought. Yeah, let's do it. Okay. So I'm going to pour while you ask, All and right. then uh, we can talk about what it is okay. then. This uh, may be... Uh, Eric, sorry, real quick. Would you like uh, some of the Heaven Star? One million percent, okay. yes. Yes. Yeah, and if there's any cubage, I would take another delicious cube of MN Pure Clear Ice, the <laughs> finest ice that can be found on your... The uh, so breaking news on yeah. that um, we're expanding to Chicago. No way, way. First, first I'm hearing about this. Yeah, that's that's oh, first that's awesome. first anyone's oh, yeah, hearing dude. about this outside that's, of the company. Uh, yeah, no, that's that's incredible. Um, oh, 
They yeah. need it. They could use the cubes. So, yeah. If, I mean, like, I could talk your face off about um, Chicago. Uh, I was going to ask you at the beginning if there were any new developments. I would also yeah. like you to talk about these beautiful new trays that I'm seeing. Yeah. Oh, sure. Freezer yeah. shelves. Because yep. those things are slick. Yep. That's a... <sighs> Big, a big deal. We've been working on that for a long time. He's Charles is referring to the new uh, retail packaging. Yes. Um, and for particularly for the two inch rock, um, it's just, uh, it, it's separate. It's like kind of a box of chocolates concept where each cube has its own compartment so they aren't touching. Nothing freezes together. Um, and you're Great for the summertime. Yep. If you're, you're not either two blocks from exactly. the store that carries it exactly. or have a Yeti in your trunk, of which I am. Both of those things, but most people <laughs> are neither. <laughs> yep. So it just makes, uh, the idea is to have the guest experience be, uh, the customer experience be just significantly better. And I mean, because we can talk about how easy it is to separate cubes that are stuck together, but at the end of the day, not everyone is as nerdy as we are. Right. Um, and they just want to get their ice cube. That and they it paid. can seem like a minor inconvenience yeah. or whatever. And those trays but, are just slick. Yep. It's nice to yep. have. And they're recyclable, um, super easy. That I've been really well received, so I, I appreciate that. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, no, we uh, uh, a bit, our, our big goal is to expand our brand nationwide. I mean, when you want ice, where do you want it from? You want it from Minnesota. You don't want it from, you know, Idaho or Kansas City. Yeah. Uh, you ain't got all these lakes for nothing. Right? The land of ice and snow. Come on. Um, and, you know, the, going to Chicago has really, and I, I'm very sensitive to the fact that I feel like here we can be a little provincial. I feel like we think that we're doing everything better than everyone else, or if it's not from here, we don't want it. Um, right. And, you know, and I, and I love, uh, you know, I, I, I love where I live, and I, I'm not necessarily against that, but when I tell you that, I've gone to Chicago several times recently and I've been wildly underwhelmed with the cocktail scene. Um, just more generally, I mean, of course there are amazing cocktail yeah. bars there. Yeah. Like that is, of course there are. Um, but Chicago's 9 million people. We're 3 million people. And I have a new album in my phone that is just photos of cocktails that are 16, 17, 18 dollars and up. Yes. That are ridiculous looking with crappy ice. And it's just like, well, wow. Okay. Yeah. Why are we, sh we should be here. Um, and we're going to be, we have it. Beautiful. We have literally everything lined up. Um, so, and we're going to start uh, in June. So awesome. that's, uh, it's kind of nerve wracking, you know, it's uh, when you, but it's also, um, this is, this is what we need to do and we are going to crush it. And that's, kind of my job going forward is to make sure that happens. It, it's a beautiful thing, you know, <clears throat> when you look at the, the talented and amazing individuals that we have in our community, you know, it, it kind of looks like when you look up at a clear night sky and you see all these beautiful stars and it's, it's such a rare experience to get, like, to get to watch a star, like, get brighter. You know, like that doesn't really happen all that often. And what a, what a beautiful thing for us to get to watch, not just the creation of this, but now to watch it grow. It's, it's amazing. Uh. Good Lord, that's you're gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> no, that, that's uh, that's that, that, that I. It's uh, very kind. Thank you. Um, but you know what we what we really are is we're partners with restaurants and we're there for them to help make things uh, make things better. And I'll give you a quick story about a, an experience that I had in Chicago. Um, there's a steakhouse called Bavette's, mm -hmm. and it's 
absolutely sexy steakhouse. It's like, think of, it's basically Manny's, but not as masculine. Sure. Okay. Um, just as just as beautiful, just as nice, but it's just, it just has a little bit softer edges to it, right? Um, so I get there and I sit at the bar right in front of the well, and you know get the all the menus come over and order an old fashioned comes out, crappy ice, it's, you know it's tasty enough. the The menu, the cocktail menu, is as um, above the bar on mirrors. It has you know literally all the drinks, like all like the, the gin the drinks, paint the pen written, yeah. um, painted. Okay. Oh, okay. Beautiful. Right. Um, so it's like doesn't change a lot. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We're committing to this. We're one. committing to this one. <laughs> and then you know there's the, the kind of you know the gin and tequila vodka drinks over here. And then over here uh, is are it's just as old fashioned. Bourbon, rye, cognac, $14. So the old-fashioned at Manny's is just is, is 20 Yep. Right? Um, and so I order, I order the old-fashioned there at Bavette's and comes out, it's $14, crappy ice. It's tasty enough. So I sit there. I just, I'm just literally there just to take in the experience. And so I have dinner. Did you say it's on crushed ice or is there not crushed? It's just on garbage that their ice machine ice, which is forgettable, very forgettable ice. Um, And so I just, I I have dinner. I sit there for two to two and a half hours, order a steak, hundred dollar steak. The side of asparagus was, you know, I don't know, $18 or whatever. I mean, like, I mean, the the oysters were steakhouse prices, right? I mean, Chicago steakhouse prices. Right. Um, I mean, this is an expensive meal. And their old fashioned is fourteen dollars on crappy ice. They have clear ice. Yeah. You can upgrade to clear ice, but you have to call it. You have to really? call for it. Yes, yes. Amazing. And I don't know if they. And so the next drink that I ordered was a gin uh, drink, and I said, "Can you put that on a rock?" And they and they did. And you know, it just I just wanted to see what it looked like. So the point of this, the whole point of this story, is in that being Minnesota Ice, being partners with restaurants, we love. I personally love restaurants. Restaurants have made my life. Make they, they restaurants are everything. They're, they're where life happens for me. You can't tell um, from this episode that we that we love restaurants. Right, right, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, so I did I did some back of the napkin math, right? And yeah. if, in my opinion, that drink at a steakhouse akin to Manny's in Chicago. That drink should be, first of all, no one in that, in that restaurant knows or uh, from a customer perspective, no guest in that restaurant knows or cares what that old-fashioned costs. Correct. Right? Absolutely. So, you know. And it's in, not in, so cheap that it's like a point of novelty. Cur- 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 right. It's not $8. Right. right. It's, so it's $14. In my opinion, that drink needs to be $19 minimum. Minimum. Ooh. And needs to have a clear cube of ice on it. But if you do the math, and if they, I, I sat there for you know several hours and watched the bartender make minimum fifty of those. Yep. And that's in one day, and that's in a couple hours. That's not even in the whole evening. So if they are, if they are leaving five dollars on the table, and they're making fifty a day, and they're open three hundred days a year. That math is ridiculous. That math is $75,000 on one drink. And it's such a weird place to cut corners, too. It, it, it's just odd. Yeah, it just that, that does seem incredibly strange to me. Right? But, and that's one 
drink. That is a that is someone's salary yep. that could be paid for by just right. adjusting, and that helps yeah. that restaurant continue to exist. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, I'm also just troubled by the mentality anywhere that does food and beverage service that why don't you just improve something until you can't improve it anymore? Yeah. And one of the most glaring areas that some, a beverage can be improved is with the ice. Yeah, well, like it's that's, it, it's a I huge mean, it's ingredient in the beverage. You're tasting yeah. that. You're drinking it. Yep. Never mind that you're looking at it, and it's nice when it looks pretty, but you're tasting it throughout, and it's changing how it tastes because it's becoming more whatever constituted the cube the longer it sits in the glass. Mm-hmm. Superior ice, superior beverage is what I said on my post. <laughs> that's oh, that's right, that's yeah. right. Oh yes, yes, I do remember that. But I mean, it uh, it was it, it it was really interesting. And there's you know, Chicago, it's a different city. There, I mean, in New York, a different city. There's different, you know, logistical constraints getting ice from point A to point B. Yeah, sure. Um, there's different, uh, you know, there's storage constraints. That, you know, it, and I and I get I, I get all that. Isn't that part but, of your? But what's that expertise? Where you come in? You know, like oh, you for sure, yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, and, and, and what I'm, what I'm, what I was really kind of, um, uh, I don't want to say surprised. Just, I just found it very interesting. The glassware there um, was in, like at Cindy's, for example. They, they, the the old fashioned glass. It's this narrow. It's this narrow low ball that a two by two can't fit in. Strange. So they have. A very they have a very kind of narrow rect like a tiny Collins cube like a little uh-huh. like I feel like one of our Collins cubes if yeah. you just cut that in half it's so strange it, it, it's really bizarre I, and and so we're gonna uh, hopefully go uh, help help that gosh I, I sound so presumptuous but I I um, they serve champagne in a coupe which I love but the kids spilled a oh, little dude, of mine if that, you remember <laughs> came to the table and at did Cindy's at oh an gosh expensive that, glass that, of champagne and he just walked away okay it's <laughs> an expensive glass of champagne but it's champagne I mean gosh I'll pay with, I'll pay what it costs for champagne right but yeah. you know when he bumps it when he elbows it oh sure. yeah 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 <laughs> yeah I just want to see that the the gif of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio and Great Gatsby toasting the champagne, and then just have like the waiter come and like run into it and just spill it all over as he's yeah. trying to do his toast. Or he gets doinked because he's in Cowboy Jack. Yeah, well, there's that too. <laughs> uh, yeah, should we? Uh, yeah, real quick, just just to throw out what I poured. Um, so yes. as oh. as it was uh, just recently Bob Dylan's birthday. Uh, I grabbed a bottle of uh, the of Bob Dylan's whiskey. is Heaven's Door. This is a uh, cask strength single barrel. Uh, this is bottle number eight from barrel number five. <laughs> bottle number eight from mm-hmm. barrel number five. For those Cheers keeping track at home, <laughs> I love the way that it comes out aggressive, and then that lingering beautiful brown sugar. Just sits on my tongue. I, 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 I think this is absolutely beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. 100%. Mm. All right. Topic number four. Oh. Okay, this is kind of an esoteric question. We don't have to overthink it, but we might. No, we, we, we wouldn't ever be guilty of overthinking anything, <laughs> right? not like not us at all. all. <laughs> no. Uh, Mr. Eastman, in your assessment, what... What age, being a numbered year, is the absolute best year of a human's life? Oh, 
Amazing question. The best year of a human's life, 45. 45? 45. Okay. I, I mean, can we extrapolate? Thir- What's that? Can we break it down? I mean, I'm, and I'm going to say, like, I don't have, like, anything that happened when I was 45. I'm 48. Um, and, and, like, but 45, like, so tennis. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about it. I'm going to, you play tennis? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> known bit. to swing a racket. <laughs> so, uh, the reason I say 45 mm-hmm. um, is because I, I didn't have any kind of uh, these little nicks and bruises. And, of course, I wasn't playing tennis then. I started playing tennis a year ago. Yeah, yeah okay. And all of a sudden, everything is breaking down. Like, I, I just, and I play obsessively. I play a lot. I have tennis elbow right now. Tennis knee, driving tennis knee. Tennis knee, tennis, tennis side, <laughs> tennis everything. Um, but the 40s have been by far my favorite like by not even close right love it um and i'm i th- i bet the 50s will be even better yeah I, I i genuinely think that um the only reason i bring up tennis is like yeah the physical the physical things and the reason i said 45 and not 48 because i would have said 48 because this year has been absolutely incredible for me i've just i've like every year recently has just gotten better than the next than the next but i would love to go back a few years and be a little physically healthier sure that's all. So that's where 45 came from. But I, I, I just, you know, love the natural evolution of the human condition to get to know yourself better and get yes. to know what really, where, how you really show up in the world better and what resonates with you and what doesn't and how to be okay with not being everyone's favorite mm. and how, and, 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 right? I mean, that's like, that's. I okay. want to be doing like the, the poetry slam, like snaps in the air for that. Yeah, it's okay. It's okay. It's for not if we're not for everyone. It's yeah. it's, it's okay. And I, I mean, and I, I, I genuinely want to to be friends with everyone. But it turns out I'm, I can't be. Mm-mm. Correct. Um, and that's okay. No one will ever know your authentic self if you're inauthentic that's okay. to everybody because you want everyone to like you. Mm-hmm. That's kind of a good philosophy, I think. Is if you try to, if you <clears throat> if you try to fit everybody's idea of what kind of person makes their life easier. And no one ever finds out who you actually are. So let people let people know who you are, and then they can say, you're not for me. Or they can say, holy shit, you're so for me. Yep. I think you're about my, that a lot in business. Kind of in business, I think about that a lot because I yeah. can be overly uh, an advocate for, um, uh, well, I, I just, I, I, I need to check my perspective on some things when it comes to, to business and, and not putting our, um, I don't know how to say this, I, like what, what you said about um, knowing who you are, I want to make sure that what I'm putting out into the world is the, a, an authentic form of myself, but also it, because like, I have a responsibility to our organization, right? To make sure that Certainly. we're, and it, we continue to advance the ball. We can't pay the rent with my goodwill. That's a right. fact, right? I mean, it's like, and and when you know, you know, we when we were st- when we were really, really just starting, and we still get this, our folks that talk about like all the exposure that we could get by <laughs> working with them. Yeah, 
And it's hey, just, it's just one of the, I mean, like that is the sure, field. that is the surest way to get me to delete your email or a fucking is DJ. talking about the, yeah, explosion. I was going to say, you're looking at a guy who was a DJ for 17 years. I'm yeah, well yeah. familiar with that yeah. one. No, for sure. Um, but anyway, I mean, I, yeah. Well, I love it. I, I hope that my, I, answer, I said a lot about nothing there. But no, but that's it's a very Seinfeldian. <laughs> you ever question. listen to this show? <laughs> it's a Seinfeldian question, yeah. so it deserves a Seinfeldian answer. Fair, fair. I I uh, I will say that I truly hope that I can answer that. I'm I'm hoping that 45 is incredible because I'm 42, turning 43 this year. Uh, so my answer, Charles, would be uh, 40, because I think that turning 40 is a chance for you to decide what your mindset is going to be going forward. We have decided as a society that turning 40, like there's all of the over the hill jokes and, and all of those things. I remember when I was young feeling like 40 was like, Oh shit. Like now you're, now you're like going into being an old, old person. Yeah. You know, that, that was always, own. that was the, the running joke was always like, like 40. Right. Mm-hmm. And mowing the lawn for fun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, get a fresh pair of, of white New Balance. Right. Uh, and, and for me, I realized that I had spent the previous, I'd like to say 10 years, but in all reality, the previous like seven years uh, working on who I wanted to be, not who I intended to be. Like I, I was very, very conscious about trying to become a better version of myself because uh Sadly, I'm not good at doing it for me, but I recognize how much my partner in life has worked to be a better version of herself, and I wanted to reflect that. If I could say that I love this person as my partner, then I want to make sure that I'm reflecting those values too, right? So I had started doing a lot of work, and at 40, it was a, it was a conscious decision to embrace the next 10 years infinitely more than I had the previous 10 and be very intentional about being a better version of myself and learning more and doing more. And in accepting that, I have not once winced at saying that I'm 40 plus. I've really enjoyed it. I've, I've leaned into it. And I watch some people that I have known for a good portion of my life. And they even have trouble saying how old they are. And I always I feel awful about that, that mm-hmm. anybody would, would feel like somehow that's a poor reflection on where they're at, like they're on the, the back half. Like, we're still on the ascent right now. And I think that if you're intentional about that and you take what is considered by many a very large landmark of a number, because, you know, as humans, we love round numbers. It makes grouping easy again. Yep. And if we accept that wholeheartedly and say, this is a great milestone I'm looking at a staircase going up instead of a peak where now I'm looking at a staircase going down. That's a choice that you can make, you know, and I'm, I'm fortunate enough to not have any like, like chronic health problems. So I'm not trying to say that everybody can make that choice. Everybody has their different burdens to wear, but I loved the idea of marking 40 with the biggest celebration that I had ever pulled off because I wanted it to start there so that I could continue that trend as I moved through these forties. And I feel like aside from the constraints that COVID put on us, I feel like I have done very well at being intentional about that. 
and even just looking at the pride that I have in this podcast. Like, this is something that I hadn't ever really thought of. I had done a few podcasts before, and they had gone interesting places, but this was something where I really felt like this is an added expression in, in something that, again, helps me articulate what I am doing to try and be a better version of myself. And uh, I love that this is a piece of a, a greater puzzle, and I feel like I've been putting pieces in a lot. So I'm hoping that when I cross that 45 bridge, I can say that, yeah, 45 is it. 40 was dope. 45, even better. And I hope we can keep pushing in that direction. And I think that if we look at those numbers in that way, it helps, it helps us understand that as that number grows, so can we. I love it. So like, I love it so much. Like you said something just there about like, you know, ha ha doing, you starting this podcast and not knowing like, oh, you, you so what I, I talk a lot about recently is when I look back on how I've gotten to wherever it is that I am and I'm in a very happy place and it's, it, it hasn't been this like, oh, I'm going to do this. Yep. It's been, I've just made a lot of little choices Very in the so. moment and not no, not with, with no agenda, just like, oh, this feels good. I'm going to do this. And then that leads you to another thing. And then that leads you to another small choice and you do that. There's a, a, a bunch of smaller choices that eventually could lead you to a larger fork in the road. hundred percent. And I, yep, I heard absolutely. you just say that and I, I, I applaud that and love that so much and, and taking the leap of, putting yourself out there in a podcast is incredible. And you're, I mean, you're so good at it. Well, by the way. And, and I mean, thank you to Charles. This was, this was your idea. And I didn't realize how much Thanks this became reminding people of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Feeding my ego. Thank you. So well, much. no, but it's, it's like, uh, I, I have a constant need to, to, to create things. And it's part of why I love cooking, but that's why I was in a band in college. That's why I became a DJ, because then I didn't have to rely on other people to also help make it work. And that's why I started making original music with different people uh, as producers. It, it's, I, there's, I, just, I like to make stuff. And what I realized was it, it wasn't about what I was making. It was about creating something. That, that, the end result is almost uh, like beside the point. It's really fun yeah. to have something that, that, is, that is hitting with other people and, and working out well. You know, going back to the producing thing, it was really cool to get a royalty check. I love that. But, you know, I, I don't even know where that check stub is. I, I, I framed it at one point. I don't even know if I still have it. You know, like, it, it, that wasn't it. It was the act of creating because that expresses a part of my brain that makes me healthier. And then when I'm doing that, then I can do that in other aspects of my life. And, and like you said, all these small little things add up. And then when you put your head on a pillow at the end of the night, I like the fact that I can smile when I'm going to bed. I like the fact that I can take a deep breath and count backwards and usually fall asleep pretty quickly. Many little choices. Yep, absolutely. You, yeah, you'll never be on the downslope if you keep like building and creating yeah. and, and evolving and changing. Find the next staircase. My, my Instagram bio used to say creator consumer because I'm a creative director and artist and a former musician and podcaster myriad of other things but also like I pride myself on the fact that I'm a consumer as well I want to experience other people's yeah. creations yeah but yeah as long as you keep that energy you keep experiencing things and creating things that's you're just going to keep growing yes Charles do you have a, do you have a number that you would uh, assign I, I actually really adore that this 
questions gone the way that it has with our answers, particularly for viewers who are, or listeners that are younger than we are, my answer is my present year. Mm. It's yeah. also 40. Amazing. It, I feel which, like is, which is what? I'm sorry. 40. 40. Yep. I feel like every year, every year uh, as someone who had a troubled youth and then uh, in my formative years, I also struggled to find myself and dealt with a lot of problems interpersonally and developmentally. Every year, I, um, you know, never mind, like, my, my success in my field and, and my relationship with my wife, things of that nature. Every year, getting to know myself better. It's, it's been so important, not just for my own comfort in my skin, but um, I think that the way that maybe others around me observe me because I'm truer to myself and I'm willing to present myself more faithfully as who I feel like I am and, and ignoring th that echo in the back of your mind saying like, make yourself a version of yourself that this person will like more yeah. because I, that's not me. I don't want that. If someone doesn't like you, it's okay. Then they can find the people that they like. That's mm -hmm. okay. You know, find, find, they can find the people that are for them. I want to find the people that are for me. Many of them are already present. I'm also the kind of person that is always going to make friends. Always. I still, I'm 40 years old. I still make friends in the bathroom. My wife makes fun of me for it. You know, I'd be talking to someone in the bathroom, come out and be like, hey, this is Jeff. And Mark's yep. like, what the fuck? You, just, you made a friend in the bathroom? <laughs> Jenny, I, I'm going to go ahead and say that that's ringing really true whenever you listen to this episode. Yeah. <laughs> so continually growing feeling more comfortable with myself. You know, I mentioned it previously on the podcast that when I was in New York and I was able to dine at all these like incredible otherworldly restaurants by myself, wearing a suit, sitting at a table in a room full of people dining together and I could just fold my hands on the table, leave my phone in my pocket, scan the room, take in the experience, the smells, the flavors, the, the din of the kitchen, and like I remember feeling at, for instance, when I was at um, Per Se, I remember feeling like, wow, I just feel like I deserve to be here and not a social status thing, but just that I felt comfortable with myself and not like I needed anyone else in the room to know why I was there or that I deserved to be there. Mm -hmm. And I loved that development uh, as an individual that I'm experiencing. And so I, man, I wouldn't want to be, I wouldn't want to be anything other than what I am today. And I'm 40 today. Yep. And if it keeps going this way, then next year I'll say 41. And the year after that, I'll say 42 and so on and so forth. Unless I start playing tennis at 48 and <laughs> oh my get, God. And I get yep. tennis butt. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. But God, I love I mean, that. And like, yeah. I mean, I, I would, I would, I, I love, everything about that answer so so much and I, I would I would concur with my current age and 48 if, if I could just be slightly physically healthier yeah, not sure. that not that I'm not that I'm and you know what but. hey man kudos to you for going out and fucking no shit bombing tennis balls dude oh dude I, I can't I can't even tell you it's crazy I mean it's tennis has been an incredible I, I can't even tell you what it has brought to my life it is it has been the most rewarding thing 
that has ever occurred that That's has been excellent. the most unexpected thing. It, from, I mean, and we have Peter B. in to thank, yeah. of course, because yeah. it all comes back to dumplings. Always. <laughs> I mean, it always comes Put back. that on it my tombstone, comes back. man. It, what's that? Put that on my tombstone. It always comes back it to dumplings. It comes back to dumplings. Yep, it does. It truly does. Yeah, and it you truly know, does. It, the, it, it's nice that we're talking about our 40s being our best years thus far because for me not to interrupt you charles for me it's not even close yeah for for me it's not close 30s were were good not they're fine they're good right Right. 40s have been extraordinary yeah there's a thing that i say to my friends that i've been saying since our late 20s because people start people start at a very young age thinking they're too old to do a lot of things that they'll eventually regret having felt and i've been saying since my like since i was like 28 said to my friends, 70-year-old you would kick your fucking ass right now. Mm-hmm. I say that to my friends all the time, and I say it now at 40 as well. I said it all throughout my 30s, but when someone's like, man, I don't know. I could, but I don't want to. I don't know if I... That's my motivator. 70-year-old you would kick your fucking ass right yep. now. I think that a lot of us are oh. going to look back, not all of us, but a lot of us are going to look back and say, man, I wish I pushed a little harder. I wish I... I wish I got in that cab with my friends. I wish I went to that party. I wish I went on that trip. Mm-hmm. It's not like a deep regret, but cumulatively, perhaps, you know, like when you see on BuzzFeed or something, they ask people who are in their 90s, give people one piece of advice. And it's, you know, sometimes it's about like relationships or marriage or put yourself out there more, that kind of stuff. But a lot of, t- like 50% of the time, it's like, do more, put yourself out there, mm-hmm. like experience things because eventually you are going to reach a point where you can't experience those things. Your forties, that ain't it, man. Yep. Your fifties for most people, that ain't it either. Your sixties for a lot of people, that ain't it. So like go fucking bomb on some tennis balls, forties, fifties, whatever. If you can do it, absolutely. go out there, get a bag of ice. It doesn't have to be, believe it or not, MN pure clear ice. But it should be. You need some ice for that elbow, okay? <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> but hold I'm, up, going, hold I'm going tomorrow to physical therapy yeah. to get a needle put in my arm intentionally. I don't like needles. There's a few songs about that. Really? Are you? Oh doing, yeah, 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 yeah. Are you doing Sorry. dry needling? Or? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I've done, yeah I've done dry exactly. Needling. I had it done a in week ago, and it helped. Yeah. It's cool. fantastic. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, am I wrong in saying I feel like this is kind of Western acupuncture? Yeah. Very much Does that so. sound about yeah. right? It's very similar. It's just uh, they don't go quite as deep. Okay. I believe that's the differentiating as, factor. As far as I know, yes. Yeah, I've done that in cupping and all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. I can't tell if it's working because oh. my neck is basically a bag of like, uh, you know, when you were a kid and you had the dinosaur that you would build like Legos. That's basically what's inside my spine. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I can't tell if something's working or not. I just in in thinking about what you were just talking about, I was kind of running through, you know, the last twenty plus years of my life, and and when you were talking about being a creator and a consumer, I I think it just kind of hit me like in my twenties, well, in my teens and my twenties, I was almost exclusively a, a consumer. I just I wanted to do everything, but I didn't like I didn't make much. You know, every now and then I'd make some music and I, I was DJing. So like I made fun for other people, but it was like just throwing shit out there. Really, my desire was to consume everything. Mm-hmm. And that was experiences. That was food. That was drink. That I consumed love and I didn't always create or foster it. 
And then in my 30s, I was trying to create something specific, and I was trying to figure out what the specific thing was. Like, I was trying to curate, you know, some sort of uh, an idea of what a life was supposed to be. And I think as I've aged into my 40s, starting in my late 30s, as I aged into my 40s, it was just realizing that kind of creating what came naturally and what seemed interesting and, and sparked curiosity, and then consuming the things that were were handed to me it, it, you create like a nice balance you know i uh, i used to have a, uh when i was in my early 30s i had a wallpaper on my computer that said uh i spent my entire 20s looking for the wrong things <laughs> and it's that's i i still have the picture on my computer i don't have it as a wallpaper anymore but it's just a reminder that when you think you're trying to again going back to what you both were talking about in trying to be everything for everyone uh, you can also do that in life where you can come up with an idea of like what you're supposed to be, to be quote unquote successful or to be quote unquote upstanding or whatever you want to call it. And when you get to a point where you can just accept that this is what my life is and it's pretty fucking nice. Uh, and then you just move forward with that as a mentality, your burden is so much lighter. You, you shed a lot of yokes in doing that. And then when you can actually feel what it feels like to stand up straight for the first time, it's a pretty beautiful thing. And you realize no matter how tall you actually are, when you can stand up straight, you can see a whole lot farther. And once you have that perspective of how far you can see, I think it becomes a lot easier to, to feel comfortable in where you what are. What it feels like to stand up straight for the first time. Yeah. Wow. That's awesome. Because you, you know, fun of my shitty neck. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> well, all we do. <laughs> I wasn't serious. Come on. <laughs> but like you know, like we weigh ourselves down with so many things. I, I, I mean, I just I repeated that because yeah. I relate. Yeah, yeah. I, I relate. And, and, and I, this sure. is the first time that I felt like I had that clarity. You know, and okay, I could listen man. to other people tell me what was out there, but I couldn't see it. And now I feel like I can. And now it's trying to figure out how to better solidify all of that around me, uh, uh, along with my partner. Well, cheers to uh, our best years and better years to come, hopefully. <laughs> may, we, uh, may we say something that starts with a five the next time we talk about this? Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, shit. We invite him on the next year, but we're going to wait another time. <laughs> Boom. We'll figure <laughs> it out. Absolutely. Ooh. Uh, what, is there one more that, that we wanted to do in the, uh, the uh, line? Do you want the more going? I mean, I, I never don't want that. I love yeah, that right. bottle of wine so very much. Yeah. Yeah, let's, let's make sure to not miss that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, do, I do also, I, I, this is going to be such an awful tease, but um, when you were talking about the steakhouse in Chicago, I don't know why this just popped into my head. I do have a story that I have to tell you all, offline about uh, me and Paul Hennessy at a very masculine steakhouse oh. <laughs> in Chicago. Oh, nice. <laughs> Uh, that is not it a uh, of the four seasons yeah 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 yep we will uh we will be speaking okay. with him Can, sometime in the next month four seasons who you will be speaking with him on the podcast yeah about the opening of of oh beautiful can we can we talk for I, I didn't mean to interrupt if you were about ready to oh please do um can we talk about the what do i want to say here Sex four seasons is opening yep Right in Minneapolis, we're in Minneapolis, and which is incredible. Gavin Kaysen is, you know, is responsible for so much amazingness. He's such an incredible guy, uh, and a warm, incredible person. chef. Just, I mean, like, 
I'm so grateful to him for so many reasons, just for what he's brought to the Twin Cities dining community. And then yeah. can can we the, uh, compare and contrast that? He terraformed the dining environment. Oh, for sure. I mean, like, like the, 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 he is single-handedly responsible for elevating so many things. Yeah, change the field. In 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 can, we can in this market in our in our in, in in our daily lives. I mean, one of the greatest pleasures is just going to Spoon on a Monday and sitting at the bar and having an incredible experience at this beautiful place and amazing food and um and you know there, there's so much that he's done prior to coming here that's that's led to that. And then the major market newspaper here, their restaurant critic, that's a part time job. <laughs> so insane. Uh, someday we'll figure it out. What the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Sorry, I didn't catch that comment. What? Well, just the... The Star Tribune. Yeah. The restaurant critic job. It's a part-time job. Currently. Oh, right, yeah. This is not an indictment on the gentleman that is the star, current Star <laughs> Tribune. Right. He is a very clearly a very smart, Absolutely. very well-learned, very you know, worldly person. But yeah. he has a full-time job outside of the Star Tribune. Yeah, okay, yep. So he's like a Uf, he's like the UFC fighter of writing. This is this is nothing about him, right? Yeah. This no, is I, this is. But the about, idea that that's that's the importance that we put on this community. What the fuck, Star mm-hmm. Tribune? Yeah, like, half, wh- are you kidding measures, me? Right. Like, yeah. well, shouldn't we, we? Shouldn't that? Shouldn't I mean? Am I am I crazy? Am no, I, am but I, am that, I, again, that's just a reminder also of of why print media is having such a tough time staying alive. Sure. You know, the minute that you you start dictating what is supposed to be important and what isn't and people push back on that and you say, well, it's cause you're stupid and you don't know, we will dictate what is actually important. That's when you'll start to lose people. Like, I'm sorry, but this isn't the 1980s where you had to read the paper to find out what was going on. Sure. You're competing against everything else out there. And then you're specifically choosing to double down on mocking the importance that a lot of other people put on a huge part of why tourism happens here on a huge part of why tax revenue is happening within these cities. Like if you choose to ignore that, then that's up to you, but do it at your own peril. Yeah. I, I just don't understand from the Star Tribune perspective. uh, If, if it's just not, I mean that, that position has to be a full-time position or it doesn't exist. Correct. Like just give this, uh, I don't also, know. The, I don't, don't want to go off on too much of a tangent there, but it, it, it's, it, is, am, I, am I wrong? Is that, is that not, well, fr- is no, that not, not frustrating? To, are, even, we, are we a major market or are we not? Even if you uh, observe the, the tenets of the perception of rarity, if you're telling people they got to pay to read something, yeah. bro, I know the fucking twin score. I'm getting pinged by four di- the athletic and everything else. ESPN, they're all telling me the fucking twin score. I know the twin score, okay? If you're going to give me something that I can't get anywhere else, perfect. let audio. it be a high-level critique of the dining scene. So put more eggs in that basket. Yep. You want me to pay to read your website? There ain't shit there that I need to pay to read if you're giving your food writers and your food critics uh, so few pages in your, your, your pamphlet. Yeah. Right? Thank you, sir. Guam, you want to tee up? Yeah, let's do it. Oh, man. That Margona's just delicious. No, not at all. I, 
I'm with you. Wild Tangents could be the name of this podcast. Yeah, absolutely, it could. That'll be the name of our band. I'm just, I'm, I'm passionate yeah. about the fact that we have such an the incredible market here, and I feel like it's being a little bit undervalued by the Star Tribune. Yeah. So overall, I think more attention should be paid to that, and that it'll, someone is going to be greatly rewarded for approaching that with the, the respect that it requires. Correct. Absolutely correct. Uh, honestly, this is tangential to what we were just talking about. Wild tangents Wild with a Y. Uh, we don't have that button, huh? <laughs> well, I don't. I don't have that the one. The leopard? No. Okay. <laughs> Maybe next time. Let's see. What's this one do? That's <laughs> critic. Or, uh, crickets. <laughs> oh, it's an animal. It's just the wrong animal. Damn it. The very opposite. <laughs> uh, all right. Uh, okay. So, uh, Mr. Eastman, what is your first memory? of creating a dish or a drink that you were able to call your own? Oh. Risotto. Ooh, okay. Risotto. 1997, um, basement apartment. Really simple, um, really simple Parmesan, black pepper, parsley, risotto. And a notoriously like, fickle dish to make, too. Risotto? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I had, I had no friends. I just moved here. I did nothing other than go to work and come home and cook. Where were and, you working and, at this point? What's that? Where were you working at this I point? I was working at a life insurance company writing software. Wow. And I would just, I, I was living in, this was a basement on 46th and Colfax oh, in yeah. South Minneapolis. Mild hood. And um, it was little 500 square foot apartment, hardly any windows in it. And I would just come home from work, go to Lund's and get groceries. And I would just, I would make, I, I had a risotto cookbook that my uncle gave me and I would, I, I made the, the recipes in that book. And then I remember this one day I was listening to Dire Straits and I was just, I kind of went off, off menu. Like I didn't follow a recipe. I'd cooked, yeah. I'd cooked risotto enough times. Um, and it, risotto was just such an awesome dish to make in Minnesota in the winter. You know, it's just, it's just yeah. cozy. It's just a hug. It's just, it's comforting. Absolutely. Um, it's internal kushli. Yeah. Yeah. And, and uh, I think, I think I'd had kind of a, a shortage of ingredients, but I had parsley, I had black pepper, I had Parmesan. I had Swanson's chicken broth, which I would never, ever, 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 ever use anymore. But that's what I was using to make risotto. And I made this dish and I seasoned it well and had the right amount of cheese, had a great amount of pepper. And that's, um, I, I made risotto over and over and over and over and over and over again after that. And, um, Risotto is definitely the dish that taught me how to cook. Amazing. Yeah. And that, that one in particular. I mean, because I made, I made like a, a, I followed a recipe. Right. Right. Yeah. Which, which is hard. If you were to ask me right, down, right now to mm. write down the recipe for risotto, I would struggle to do that. Yeah, like of course. How much rice is it? How much yeah. liquid is it? I, I don't know. I mean, it's like it, taste you it. Just it's, do it's, it. You do it until it's right. Um, so that, that, yeah, that experience was like of the utmost importance. That would be the dish that I would say it's um, Parmesan, black pepper, parsley, risotto. The, the it's side. not cacio e pepe, yeah. right? Like right. Joe Raleigh, if he was here, would just 
stab me in the no, neck if the- I said it was Cat Joey Pepe, but it's it, and it's not. It's it was it was not. It was not. It was it just like those were the three two of the three ingredients were like cheese and pepper. Every every chord's been written. It's just how do you put them together? Yeah, it's yeah. Every same, chord's been written. It's not the same Love thing. Yep. Like <clears throat> um, going back to a previous question when I had said that the band that I I wish more people loved. Uh, I was listening to this podcast about the, their demise, and they were talking about the new record. And somebody asked Jamie, the lead singer, like what his favorite song was. And one of the songs he talked about, he goes, I'm in love with it because I couldn't tell you the lyrics, and I couldn't tell you how to play it on guitar. I couldn't tell you the chords. But the minute I get a guitar in my hand, I can do the entire song front to back and sing it. And Incredible. I thought, that's, Incredible. How, that's how I feel about, about cooking. Yeah, 100%. Yes. yes. There are so many things that, like, I I've, I feel like, honestly, like, I'm kind of a shitty husband because my wife hangs out in the kitchen a lot when I'm cooking, and there's little flourishes and things that I do that I don't even, it, it's so subconscious. It's just written into how I make it, but it's not on any sort of recipe, and it's, like, not fair, and I'm not trying to, like, guard that knowledge. I'm not trying to, like, not right. tell anybody Embargo how to make that, it, yeah. but I, I don't think about it. It's just... When it gets to this, you do this. And when it gets to that, then you do that. And when it looks like that. in almost any place in the world. Yep, yep, 100%. Like when my mom made tabbouleh with my mother-in-law and Marnie, and my mother-in-law desperately wants to n- understand how to make tabbouleh the way my mom makes it. And she does what every Lebanese lady does. And, you know, my mother-in-law, Pam, says, how much uh, bulgur do you put in there? And my mom grabs a handful, just like my aunt does, and says, huh, and then slings it into the bowl. Right? It's, it's about feel. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Charles, how would you answer that question? Yeah, I think that expressly because of that notion, this idea that like I, I've cooked forever. I, Yan Can Cook, man, I watched Yan Can Cook on PBS when I was a child, and I made fried rice for the first time when I was nine. Mm. We've talked yep. about this yep. on the podcast at length. I just make That's that noise every time you say fried rice. I go, mmm. Mm. <laughs> uh, that was not mine. Right. In no way was it mine. Yeah. And I can probably not recall from memory the first time I made a dish that was fully mine. But what did come to mind when you presented this as a topic was making braised short ribs. Mm. I had learned recipes, the classic way, your mirepoix, bottle of red wine, that whole situation, to do a red wine braised mm-hmm. Uh, short rib that's sort of like the classic technique and that's from a book that's telling you how to do it from a book I remember turning a corner when I got really into beer in the mid-2000s and making a determination that you know what I'm going to use stout I'm going to use an imperial stout to make braised short ribs and that eventually became uh, I think the first time I probably did it was in 2008 where I used darkness or Lee darkness to make Imperial stout braised short ribs. And then I would use, um, I, I still make this dish. I made it every year actually for many years when I would go to the darkness release I'd always reserve a bottle and have a meal with friends where I would make the short ribs with the beer and we would drink the beer with the meal. Of course. Then for the, um, I would make, uh, I'd make grits with, uh, coconut milk. So it's beautiful. I call it coconut stout short ribs. So it's stout ribs, coconut grits, and then, you know, classic mirepoix and every classic technique and, you know, using 
the bouquet garni with the rosemary, thyme, bay leaf, tons of garlic, onions, that whole situation. And then just braising down those short ribs until they are falling off the bone, which is what you want in that preparation. And then skimming, reducing the sauce, serving it over the grits that you make with butter and coconut milk, and then gently placing the ribs on top of the grits, uh, some of the, the, the vegetable that is remaining in the pot, and then spooning over that reduced sauce, sprinkling over a little fresh herb like a parsley, and then drinking a glass of stout on the side. That became like uh, cataloged in my huge roster of recipes that I maintain that became one of like my signature recipes. I make this every year in the fall. I know my emphasis is on the wrong syllable here, but can we just talk about coconut milk grits? Cause I've never once fucking thought of that. And it makes all the sense ever. Absolutely. Like the sweet yeah. sugars from the corn mixing with that beautiful, like sweet coconut milk, like that literally just started singing in my head. And I have never fucking thought of that another element of that that's interesting is that no one ever made a goddamn coconut stout at that point no no everybody but then suddenly it was like coconut stout yep like once people started making coconut stouts i was like hey i cook a dish that is a coconut stout dish right so yeah but those elements work so beautifully together um you know that like how amazing bold malty stout and then the subtle sweetness that is naturally derived from coconut with no added sweeteners but then you get a little sweetness from the stout itself and you use tons of fucking malden get like crazy salt quality flaking malden or selgri over the dish so that you make sure to counteract that and then it makes you want a sip of the beer itself that's it forget about it but i yeah that's something that definitely it's like curl your toes right there absolutely (laughs) And shit, who doesn't like a short rib? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I guess for me, uh, I don't remember. I have a few dishes that I remember, like, being the first dishes that friends would ask for when they came over. And they thought that was cool. But a lot of Mm -hmm. my early cooking was pretty derivative. So I never, there was a lot of imposter syndrome going on there where I would combine, like, three recipes together. And that was, yes, an original, like, sort of uh, um, uh, like melange of, of recipes, but I never felt like I, I owned that. The first thing, and the reason that I, that I wrote this question was uh, this just came up recently in a discussion with some friends. Um, but uh, oddly enough, I can't believe that th- this gets referenced twice in this episode, but uh, the same week that I found Explosions in the Sky for the first time through yeah. Jesse, we were doing all kinds of bar prep and our, um, we, we had all these infusions because this was like the, the mid-2000s. And so it was all about infused bourbon. And we did risky mm. things like vanilla and cherry. Uh, <laughs> and we did a bacon wash. Ooh. Um, but I... It's pretty I, fat washing too. Yeah. <laughs> but infusions. I, I never... Yeah, of course. Like, and it was literally... We had a separate <laughs> section on the menu that was infusions. Sure. Um, but I, I don't Hot like shit. Bloody Marys. Uh, honestly, like Lovejoy's Bloody Mary mix 
especially that Thai basil, that was the first time that I actually consumed an entire Bloody Mary in my life. When Wait, Charles, when, when Charles we recorded with him, no, 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 no. When, when Charles first made it from him, yeah, he had these really uh, adorable like Erlenmeyer flask bottles with the swing top, like the old Grolsch, oh yeah, yeah. like swing top on yeah. it, and that was the first time that I had ever had a Bloody Mary and drank the entire cocktail. But that also is like one of even on our show, I would honestly say that I have had less than twenty Bloody Marys in my entire life, sure. like full cocktail. And I was on the search to try and, you and had find twenty during that episode. That's <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I count that as one. That's all one. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I, I had been on a search for like a better brunch cocktail, and so we had all this time because the owner of this bullshit restaurant that failed immediately was uh, he didn't give a shit about over like just create me the best things that you can. And uh, Jesse had to go home to take care of his kids, and I was cleaning up the rest of the the kitchen. And I was trying to think, like, there's got to be something else that I can come up with. And so I was like, well, what do I love? What do I love about, like, understanding a Bloody Mary? What do I enjoy about that? And it was the idea of, like, a slightly savory garden-related flavor. Like, I think that that is missing from most cocktail menus. Okay, so let's try and figure out an infusion. I'm putting heavy scare quotes on that, that I could, I, that I could use, right? So um, I oven-roasted garlic. Uh, until it was super brown and, and smooshy and like sweet and, and unctuous. And then um, I chopped up uh, red and green peppers, uh, a poblano, uh, a jalapeno. Um, and then I poured all of that, like I put all of that into a, a Lexan and dumped vodka over it. And then I let it sit for a couple days and uh, brought it back out and cracked a bunch of fresh black pepper into it and then did a pinch of salt. So you had this really beautiful bright, slightly sweet from the peppers, slightly spicy from the other peppers, and then this, like, rich, sweet, savory side from, from all this roasted garlic in there. But I was like, okay, this will be great for a bloody, so we can sell it. But, like, what am I going to make with that? And I thought I love that cheat code of sweet and salty together. Like, you'll always hook me on that. And so I started messing around with different mixes of fruit juice. And what I landed on was uh, two parts orange juice, one part pineapple juice with a little sweet, uh, squeeze of peach puree, two ounce pour of that. And then a hint, we had like real pomegranate uh, grenadine and then a little splash of that. And uh, Tim, salsa. what's that? Fruit salsa. A what? It's a fruit salsa. Yeah, basically. Salsa. <laughs> I mean, I made a breakfast cocktail that was that. Mm-hmm. And a um, uh, friend of the podcast, uh, Tim Schaff, who runs the bar program at Estelle in St. Paul, mm-hmm. and his partner, Michelle, uh, came in uh, to have, like, our first run at brunch. And I was so proud of this drink that I thought nobody else would understand, but it was a brunch cocktail that I liked. And I was like, okay, I finally have a thing. It's not a screwdriver. I have a thing that really hits a lot of notes for me. And Tim asked me to make him whatever I wanted to make him. And I made him that. And he took a huge sip out of it. And he said, Ben, this might be the best cocktail I've ever had. Now, we were, we were very young. We were in our 20s. So his palate is wildly different from that. So I'm not saying Tim at Estelle now said that. But at the time, somebody that I really, really that cared about. sounds like about, something I would order right now. Yeah. It, was, it just had a little bit of everything in there. And... I loved pouring it for people that didn't know what was in it and watching them try to figure out what it was. And I, I didn't break down any walls that, 
that nobody else could go through. It wasn't legendary, but it was definitely a thing that was very original. And that was the first time that I felt like that was mine. And that was also the first time that I felt like I could shed a little bit of the imposter syndrome I had because we were just pushing through that first wave of craft cocktail where it had never been in Minneapolis before. And we were trying to put ourselves on the scene. And that was the first time that I felt like I belonged. And that meant a lot. Someone tells you that's the best cock. That's the best cocktail they've ever had. It was. It was huge. I mean, that's that's wildly impactful. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time that happened to me for sure. And it was it was really yeah. fun. I I finally got to go back to to Estelle post COVID, and experience their cocktail menu. And I got to watch where Tim's brain had taken it from there. And it was really fun to have it be reciprocal. And oh. one of the drinks that I had, I told him, I was like, I don't, if I hadn't been able to read this description, I wouldn't have known what was in that. And I would have spent the next week trying to figure out what trying the fuck that was. Piece that out, yeah. And, and I think that's a, it's a beautiful thing, but that was, it was just a, 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 it was a cool moment. And again, going back to complimenting people, if you have something that you really love, tell the person that made it, you know, if you have a, a drink at a bar that blows your mind, tell them that. And maybe they'll shrug it off or maybe they'll be effusive. But either way, they'll sit with that that compliment. And here I am 14 years later still saying that 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 moment meant a lot to me. And I still every now and then will make a batch of vodka like that. Uh, Or Akavit now has been my new thing doing with that. Mm. But it's just like bringing in those garden flavors and then adding in citrus. Yeah, you're hitting all the notes of like a beautiful mango salsa or a peach salsa or, you know, whatever. But that, it hit. We got to... Sounds like we got to have a big brunch beverage blowout with the Garibaldi. Oh, yes. And then the Garibaldi spritz. Yes. And whatever the hell that salsa drink is. And then Melly and then can the, show up with that Toki highball machine that we're going to get for sure. Highballs. And then uh, we definitely have to do that whiskey, Thai basil, oh. Lovejoy. Lovejoy, yeah. Bloody Mary situation, even though I wouldn't even call that thing a Bloody Mary. That's a different drink. I will say out of this is episode 51. I have never had more people message me about one specific thing as I have about that cocktail. I made that. uh, Firstly, I did text Eastman about it, as I said I would on the episode. I made one of those late on Friday night, uh, not this past weekend, but the weekend prior, and I brought it out to my yard, and we had several people sitting out there. And I poured some in little glasses for them and told them, like, before I made it, I was like, you're not going to believe this shit. And they were all like, whoa, what? Yeah. Like, that's fucking crazy. It's so good. Yeah. So let's do it. Brunch blowout this summer. Triple Brunch B. Blowout. Triple B. Brunch beverage blowout. Big bad brunch blowout. We have been talking about doing be as midnight many brunch as for, yeah. you and I have been talking about doing midnight brunch for like fucking eight years now. Doc Holiday said it best. Say when. Say when. I'm in. Oh my gosh. Fucking eight. Cheers to that. One of my favorite, uh, was that, is that a meme? Is that a gif? I don't know. I'm 48. It, all of the things. All of, all, yes. all of those? Okay. The great. answer is just yes. Perfect. Yes. Thank you. Well, let's have a cheers and then uh, move along to topic number six. Final topic. Cheers. Final guys. topic. Cheers, Derek. Derek's still here. Derek, thank you for having us. Eric, if you could teleport us anywhere in the world after we conclude recording to have one more drink, where are we going and what beverage would you wish to share with us? Otignac, France, Domaine Balachone Rosé. Okay. Boom. Any, any context Boom. to... 
to that memory, or is it just something that I, you? I, we, there could be a whole another podcast for that memory. <laughs> <laughs> if well, you you're want. on this podcast, let's hear a little bit about it. Um, <laughs> wow, How, like incredible question. First of all, um, the number one thing that has um, I would say impacted me, changed me, inspired me, has been traveling to France with Steve Hoffman. Mm. Like, about, that, what, he's definitely like your travel compadre. Ah, uh, he's my best friend. He's um, my he's he's just he's he's a unicorn. He and his, he and his whole family are a family of unicorns. <laughs> um, they're just incredible people that. So many, so many people in the Twin Cities love um, tennis. Buddy, hey. by the way, of course, he played. He played college tennis at St. John's, um, and no wonder you're so sore. And then what was that? No wonder you're so sore. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Him exactly. And Peter just he's he's good. Yeah, Peter and he are very very good <laughs> tennis players. Um. No, I mean that. So, Domingue Balachone, the Otignac is the town that Steve and Mary Joe found via kind of a throwing a dart on a map in France, and they've they have lived there for part of the year, roughly every other year for many years. Um, I was lucky enough to visit them a few times there, and the winery. That's it's a beautiful Otignac is a just a gorgeous small. You know, French village in southern France. It's about 40 minutes from the Mediterranean, right in the middle of southern France, essentially. Um, there's There are two wineries there. Uh, one is Domaine Balachone, which I referenced. One is Mascabinel. Um, and through tennis, uh, both of these... <laughs> it's, I mean, seriously, through tennis, I won't bore you with the story, but through tennis, both of these wineries their wines are going to be imported to the United States because of a relationship that we kind of stumbled into via playing tennis with Joe Kotnick from um, Rootstock Wine, Co mm -hmm. Wine Company and mm -hmm. Worldwide Sellers. So he, we didn't know that he, we knew that he distributed wine. We didn't know that he imported wine. So once we found out that he imported wine, um, it, it, it just so happened we went to Danielle with him in New York uh, and Thierry, from Mascabinel was there, and um, those now n now those wines will be imported to the United States. But wow. um, but the, the the wine that you drink every day in this little village in southern France is Domaine Balachone's Rosé. It's just it's it's simple, it's elegant, it's accessible, it's cold, it's crisp, it's just everything that you want. If if I could have if if I could have that right, I would I would pay whatever it costs to have that right now. It's it it's one of those things where once you're there and you have that wine, we've had we've you know, Steve has picked the grapes that go into that wine and I've been there to watch the wine kind of, you know, uh do a decouvage to take the, the wine out of the vats and it, it, it's just such a romantic process and it, it just gives you so much respect for these artisans that make these things 
and then that's their that's the I mean the, that company Domain Balachoni that's two people that's Andre and Vernique like their husband and wife that's the whole company right um, and I just I want to consume things made by artisans like that and and by the way Beautiful. the product is extraordinary yeah it's 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 just it it it's not just oh I'm just like you know want to support nice people it's like no 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 this is also just extraordinary stuff they're like <laughs> so andre he uh he, he doesn't speak much english at all and i don't speak much french at all and i i just désolé je ne parle pas français i'm so sorry i don't speak french <laughs> yeah. um c'est bon c'est bon there the last time I was there he uh after after a long day in the cellar and kind of working uh, very very hard doing a lot of hard work he comes I mean he hadn't said like a word of English to me all day and he comes out of the the cob and he goes let's go play golf <laughs> I was like I was like what what did you just say teed that one up pun intended I was like oh my gosh so no. I mean this is this is truly this is wine from a place and from people yeah and I will support these wine these two wineries till I die and we've got them we're, we're getting them imported and they'll be here soon and if I could go have a glass of Domaine Balachoni Rosé I, right now I would pay what it costs that's my answer lovely Charles I, awesome. I, I have to have two answers to this because one is the setting and one is the cocktail and I apologize for that I can't I've been going back and forth all day and I just have to are say are they in way different places wildly different places <laughs> so for the setting uh, three years ago today uh, we were celebrating my 40th birthday at a castle in France and we were drinking Cote de Rhone that was 11 euro for a 1.5 liter. And it was beautiful and juicy and amazing. And we... Could we get it? What's that? Could we get it? It's, they don't distribute it. It's literally just made okay, so in this the town. Is the, it was like three or four kilometers This is the away. party file answer because we can't get it. But yeah. if we could, we would get it. Like we, if we went there right now... If Your we other answer hopefully is there, something that we could get. Yes. I mean, okay. we could if we went there. <laughs> no, that's what so, I'm saying is if we went there would we be able yes, to yes 100% okay, yeah this yeah. is just a wine produced in the town so uh, probably four or five kilometers away from where the castle was this wine is just produced there it's a, a run of the mill so there's own. a wine bar we could go to to have this well, we would just buy the bottles and then we would go sit at the castle that's, that's where that's why it's the place because the sun set out the back yard of the castle and Three years ago, we finished. It was the only time that we brought somebody in to cook for us. We cooked for ourselves the rest of the time. We brought somebody in. We, we ate the, the regional, like the blue-footed chicken that grows in that mm -hmm. area, mm -hmm. is bred in that area. And then uh, we watched the sunset drinking wine in the backyard of this castle. And I loved every human being that we had with us, but all I could think of was there were so many more people that I wish could have had that experience with us. And I would love to be able to go there and show you what the sky looked like as the sunset while we were yeah. drinking that, you know? But the wine was almost, that, like that was just a part of it. I, I, it was delicious, but I don't like dream about that wine, right? If I had to come up with a cocktail where I could like 
glee us somewhere and be like, this is a drink that changed my life. This is a bar that I've talked about plenty of times on this podcast, so apologies. But uh, I would take you us... You didn't apologize after the castle, but you're apologizing yeah. for this. <laughs> uh, I, would, I would take us to Imco because the birch yeah. cocktail is well, yeah, still yeah. the cocktail that I am chasing. And I've gotten close. Uh, and Utz who is the general That's manager... That's your unicorn because yep. this, yeah... Um, frequently uh, remarked upon. It always comes up, and sure. it's I've yeah. gotten so close, and I still can't quite get there. But uh, it's old Tom Gin that was cut with fresh birch sap, and then uh, they have a vermouth that they steep with fresh birch leaves, uh, and then it's a Lagavulin sixteen rinse on the glass, and then they have why uh, they go so cheap? That's right. And then they have, um, it's basically a blue cheese that's made with uh, Norwegian dairy at one of the fromageries or the Usteris, or Usterias in, uh, in Norway, and they stuff that into olives, and that's the garnish. And it, I've never, like having the birch sap and the birch leaves involved in this cocktail fucks me up on such a different level. And Yeah, it's like a lot of terroir there. Mm-hmm. It's like... Very, I mean, I know you've worked on making an iteration of this, but because of those elements, it's so like hyper geographically specific. And that's one of the things that I love about it yeah. is the yeah. way that they run their dairies and the the meat programs uh, in Norway. You have to say where it's from, right? And so being able to identify that, yeah, this is where the dairy is. This is where the meat is from. Like, all, mm-hmm. it's it's just it's great. And then, you know, having these, these trees that grow organically there also and bringing in both the sap and the leaves, it ties you to that in the same way that wine does. Sure. You know, where you can taste the terroir on multiple levels in a drink. And to, as I've talked about on the show before, but I don't think I've ever said to you, uh, the bar and the Akavit distillery exist in a building that uh, goes back 400 years and when I lived there, that was where we threw raves. And so <laughs> I have such an entirely different connection to the building that it's in. And I didn't know that until we walked in. And you can see, like, uh, built in, like, you know, 1679 or whatever it is, is, is written, or is painted on the wall. And that was when I realized where we were. Like, I just, I didn't have that connection <laughs> until I got there with my wife. And that cocktail, like, fucked me up like no other cocktail had. I couldn't figure out what was going on because in their menu book, it just says whatever the main flavor is. Mm. So right. there's a cocktail that's birch. There's a cocktail that's cheese. Mm. There's a cocktail that's spice. There's a cocktail that's fresh. And then that's just what you order. That You don't know what else is going on. Wow, I love that. And it took, <laughs> it took over a year of friendship before Od would finally like tell me what was actually in what it. was in it. And even after he told me, I still... Yeah can't quite get there but i've gotten pretty fucking close and oh, I, I would love to just snap my fingers and have the four of us go there sitting side by side on their like nine seat bar and then have that cocktail and then have him take us up on that tour and go upstairs where he points at the stove and goes hey this stove is older than your country <laughs> and then just walks past it <laughs> like that's that experience is is what i would love to bring us to Oh. And that is a cocktail that I will forever chase. God damn, that's amazing. Yeah. Charles? Thank you. 
in the interest of an overriding theme of this episode, and to put a pin in this thing or a plug in this thing, <laughs> I'm going to say Pub Royale in Chicago, which is a, this really cool Indian bar and restaurant that has like a motorcycle in it. They do a thing called dipped hams. They take a can of hams. They dip it in Valentina's hot sauce yes. so that the whole rim of the can is coated in Valentina's hot sauce. They crack it open with fucking beer suds and hot sauce shooting everywhere. They shove a, uh, a lime in it. And I think, if I remember correctly, because it's been a minute since I had one, they might dust it with like some tahini or some shit like that. And away you go. Bro. Right now, after this podcast and the beverages that we've had nightcap it <laughs> I want that sit so on the bad. Battery at they have these incredible crunchy wings that have like i love a crunchy wing and i love a crunchy wing that has like a little je ne sais quoi it's usually some like southeast asian or like indian spice component see also monte carlo it's my favorite mm-hmm. My See also wing. Lat 14. Yep. In the, in the Twin Cities, for me, Monte Carlo is my favorite wing. Those wings are like Indian spice and the crunchiness of it. It's like a tempura batter. Mm-hmm. Like it's got like a cracker crunch. When you bite it, it's like my beard is like got shrapnel. Like it just explodes in your mouth. Just I, I would take a big plate of those fucking wings and about two or nine... Dipped hams. The dip hams is such a great experience. It's all over. Literally, your, your lips, my mouth is watering. So you get about some that. on the rim when you drink it. It's it's a fucking. How can soon hams. can we have some yes. of those? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we can we can make those too. I have a party coming up in July that I actually might need to talk to you about. Dipped hams are yeah. It's uh, and it's something I've discussed with clients. Like, this is a thing because other bars in Chicago do it, and it all derived, it, it, to my knowledge, anyways, it derived at Pub Royale. But that's a thing that uh, my good friend Jesse Valenciana took me there mm-hmm. years ago. Like, let's go have some dipped hams. And in my head, I, I didn't hear hams. I heard dipped ham. I was like, what? Man, we're full. Like, you know, we had Green Street Meats or whatever. What the fuck are you talking about? He said, no, hams, hams. Dipped hams? What is that? You'll see. And then went there, and it's just like, it looks like a candle. It's a like candle wax dripping down a can of hams. And then you got your little lime, and it's spectacular. It's just this really easy drinking American lager, the Valentina's hot sauce, which is, you know, it's just like a, it's a, it's a simple, like, Mexican or, like, New Orleans-style hot sauce. But it's what you want. Yep. Oh, yeah. yeah. It it's, just it it's feels, so good. It feels right. It just feels right. Oh, my God. That sounds so good. A little late-night snack. Oh, give it to me right now. Let's do it. Let's run to the store. <laughs> All of the above. All one of the each. Fucking above. Yeah, let's just so let's figure out this uh, teleportation machine, real quick. <laughs> let's figure that one out, and then we can dip to all these places. Sounds wonderful. We can dip and get dipped. Where do, where do we start? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> let's God, dip that's to the dips. only question. Where, where do we start? Do we start? Well, obviously we're uh, we're pulling this one into the stable right well, now, tell but where uh, we end. I think we should throw one more time out uh, the information for this beautiful venue that we are currently recording in. And again, thank you, Derek, for this. How amazing. Also, I've been fascinated. Can I call this the color of your suit plum? Yes, uh, plum, ox blood. Aubergine. Ox blood, plum. 
Ooh. Okay. I, Beautiful. I, I am obsessed with that color. You need Absolutely suits, obsessed. You need a trim. You need a cigar. If you have a beautiful a beard, would you like it to look better and be better shaped? Yeah, you want a neat pour of some, some scotch. Mm-hmm. Love Caraway. Marvel at the hottest sound system on earth to me. Like, yeah. come on down here. <laughs> it's a it's a it's a wonderful place. I am happy to be recording here again. We picked a different floor. I think we're out of floors now. I, I think we uh, found a home though. This is real nice. Oh, I, yeah, I love this. How love can you this. go anywhere else? I, that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, I'm super in love with this. Yeah. Oh, yeah, all right. We have yeah, to do one in the yeah, barber sure, chair. Yeah, we'll figure sure. that out. We can, yeah, we can interview Chris while he trims my beard and gives, uh, gives Quam a little. Gives my face some shape. Up, yeah. <laughs> awesome. This was, uh, this was delightful. Uh, Eric, obviously, like with the expansion in Chicago, like again, we can't say congratulations yeah. enough. Oh. But Let's for go more, celebrate with some dipped hams. Yeah, uh, for people out there that are looking for more information about uh, that ice program and all that, like you want to give some big ups to your company, Minnesota Ice dot Minnesota Dash Ice dot com. Thank you. Any socials you want the people to follow you? On? Um, yeah, mn dot ice uh, at mn dot ice or I'm in Pure Clear Ice. On the Instagrams, um, yeah. EastmanTennisPro.com. East, yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> even. No. <laughs> no, I'm. I, no, yeah, yeah. We'll, 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 we'll keep it. Like- we we we've desi- we're we're designing a, a hospitality tennis logo. Nice. Um, for reasons unknown, but we'll, yeah. because just because uh, that's how much a lot of us love the game. Hey, beautiful. So. Anything else to cap this off with? Just that I appreciate you guys so much. Thanks for having me on. I, I, I'm just, I love all the little decisions that have come to us at this confluence. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. Really means a lot to have you here. And oh, I, I'm so grateful to be in your company and with this conversation. Great. I mean, that's, that's what this, con- that this podcast is, right? Yep. Conversation. And you guys are such great conversationalists conversationalists it's a fun one it's a fun word yeah um, that is a fun word <laughs> uh <clears throat> charles anything you want to you, you you got pluggables you want to plug no <laughs> right. uh thank you for listening thank you for uh all the support thank you for all the comments uh again we're just going to keep doing this uh if you have anybody that you want to hear on the show please let us know we're always looking around for for more fun people and of course uh, we love circling the wagons and coming back to, to humans that we adore. Yeah. Thank and you so much out there. And uh, As ever, thank you for making it this far. Yeah. And uh, give a stranger a compliment and uh, give somebody that you care about a hug. And I can't say that enough. Uh, no one has ever been on their, their last moments and thought, I think I hugged too many people. So Times a million. Make sure it's not creepy, but just give somebody a give hug. Give someone you hate a hug and say, I remember. Whisper, yeah. Just whisper it. <laughs> just whisper it. <laughs> <laughs> next time. (laughs) Love you guys. Thank you. We'll talk to you soon.